0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics.
1: Drive to deep center field, going back Hernandez, at the track right to the wall, gone!
2: and 29 other MLB clubs. Drive, deep left field,
3: left of- Guerrero lifts one to left field and
4: Steven Boat. I saw it. I'm not shocked by it because when you're around this for a long time, nothing shocks you anymore. I mean, nothing really can shock you in baseball. You know, moves like this are not made necessarily in other sports, but in baseball, yeah, doesn't shock you, especially with the A's. In the type of year that the A's are having, which is going to be a year of a lot of change, not a whole lot of continuity, trying to find people that, you know, may be a part of the future. I don't know. I don't know how many guys on this team for the majority of the year will be what you call long-term Some might be. Some might be here, you know, if everything goes to plan when the new ballpark is going to open up, some of the names you might see this year may be a part of that group. But a lot probably won't. So why bring in a guy like Steven Vogt? Well, A, he's like really bringing in somebody who... Is that tweener between the coaching staff, which is, you know, luckily a staff that's been here a long time, but he's that he's that like tweener in between player and coach. And what he can be the eyes, the ears, the mentor to a lot of guys who are going to be coming up that they're gonna trust. They're gonna look to. Not to say they don't trust the coaches. But still, coaches are coaches. Stephen Vogt will be somebody that he's one of you, even though he's closer in age to the coaches, even though he's probably really tight with some of the coaches. But he's still a, he's a guy in uniform as a player. He's paid as a player. And so he can be somebody that you could see that really is about helping guys develop. And you really can look from the catcher's position, that's one, but also in life. You got to help some of these guys with how do you become a big leaguer? How do you, you know, how do you handle yourself off the field? Finance, romance, you name it. There's a lot getting thrown your way when you get to this level. You're not in AAA or AA in some small town in the middle of nowhere anymore. You're now in the big leagues. You're now staying at the Ritz in the Four Seasons, private planes. You now have people who are way more interested in you. All of a sudden, you got better looking. All of a sudden, according to the CBA, you're now making over seven hundred grand. And people see you as dollar signs long-term, as the average big league player now makes over $4 million a year. You got guys signing $300 million contracts. Could you be one of those guys? That's how people will see you. Most guys, obviously, will never get to that level, but that's how people will see you. And a guy like Steven vote has seen it and done it. No, he hasn't signed a $300 million contract, but he's played with guys. He's played with future Hall of Famers. He's made two All-Star games, so he's he's been around the best of the best. He's seen it. He's done it. And you bring him in to kind of, you know, be the adult in the room. Selfishly, great for us because we got the relationship with him, known him for years. You know, great moments in the playoffs. You think about his big hit against the Tigers in the in in the uh, ALDS, and all the years. And Johnny Gomes bringing him out to do the referee, and you know that really put him on the map as people saw that, and then they just went hog wild for it on MLB Network. Having Steven vote on the team with the extra roster spot, hell, with a couple extra roster spots at twenty eight, why not? And the great thing about Stephen Vote and his wife as a basketball coach, you know, she has always been like, get your butt out there. You're not retiring. You're playing. And maybe this starts that and we'll ask Stephen coming up here at noon, maybe this starts the transition of Stephen Vogt becoming a coach. And I don't know how old his kids are. Cody, I'm not going to. You have any idea? They're a little bit older now because they were young when he was playing for us. Yeah, because
3: Voter's 37. We share the same birthday this couple years apart. But I think I want to say his kids are probably, I don't know, if I had a guess. They're not babies anymore. Yeah, they're not toddlers. Yeah.
4: So at some point, you know, you 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 get into the, I'm back with the A's family. I mean, look at, look at our manager now, Mark Kotze. Mark Kott say the same thing. Transition from the player, start being around the organization, kids start to get older. We forget about these guys being family guys. Right? We forget about this. I don't because I'm dealing dealing with it in my life. I got two 16 year olds. I mean, all my kids talk about is college. It's crazy. They're sophomores. I didn't talk about college as a sophomore. I didn't think about what was my major in college going to be as a sophomore in high school. The pressure that these kids are under now to to, if if you want to pursue higher education, what you gotta do, like, it's crazy. California State Schools, like, it's hard to get in. I grew up right next to San Diego State. Grew up right next to it. San Diego State was. San Diego State, not a big deal, right? It was known as a – it was always like a top five Playboy – remember Playboy magazine? Does everybody remember Playboy magazine? Is this still a thing? I don't know. But back in the day, being the top party school or being one of them was a big deal. Like Chico held that title forever. San Diego State was on there. Now they get so many kids who want to go there, it's hard to get in. I was like, what? What? Do you realize UCLA gets the most applications out of any school in the country? Do you know how hard it is to get into UCLA now? That doesn't surprise me. Southern
3: California is nice and they apparently I've seen their campus but apparently their campus is very oh, nice.
4: I've been to the campus. It is it's incredible. But still it's like that the pressure's but getting back to um Stephen Vogt and seeing it through Kotsay is your kids get older and you start to realize, okay, now what am I going to do with my I played. I set my family up financially. You think your wife just wants you hanging around and playing golf? No. So um, you got to find something to do. And this will help be that transition for Stephen Vote probably into coaching, and then one day, and we'll ask him, have you thought about managing? There's only 30 jobs. It's a special job. There's only 30 of them in the world big league manager, right? Whether you talk, you know, NFL head coach, basketball, hockey, you know, there's only so many of these jobs in the world. And to have one of them is pretty special. You know, there's a lot of people who want to be management. There's a lot of people that want to be the head guy. But most people aren't cut out to do it. It takes special people. People got to gravitate to you. You got to be able to be a leader. You got to be able to be a teacher. You got to be a listener. You got to be compassionate. There's all these different things. If you're going to be, this isn't like back in the day, Earl Weaver, Dick Williams, or I'm the guy and what I say goes, and if you don't like it, you're going to sit your ass on the pine. Nope, those days don't exist anymore. You got to understand your players. What are all those, you know, is Tony La Russa still doing this at, God, I don't even know how old he is, but. 77, I want to say now. It's, it's up there. Um, what's the one thing they always talked about with Tony? Every single day, Tony would just cruise the outfield with the A's, the Cardinals, and we've now seen it with the White Sox. Tony just cruises around batting practice. I wish you could have seen it with us as Tony's become a friend of this program, the Hall of Famer. And Tony came over to do the uh, A's cast live from the field when we were playing the White Sox. And after the interview, Tony was great. Like, Tony kept on to keep talking, which was unbelievable. It's like, uh, we're coming back for break. Thanks, Tony. Tony was stood there and just talked. But anyway, just watched. Tony cruised around. And you know what he does? Talks to every player every day. Whether you're his star player in Ricky Henderson or Jose Canseco or Mark Maguire or you're Mike Gallego or you're whoever you are, Tony just kind of cruises around. And you know who also did that? Bob Melvin. Because it was something you guys didn't get to see because play uh, fans weren't allowed in the stadium at the time but Melvin would Melvin would cruise around and make sure you have a conversation at some point basically with every guy every day. You want to know how's things going? How's the baby? How's your kids? How's your wife? How's your girlfriend? Hey, I heard your mom's not doing well. How's every You want to know. You want those players to know hey, this guy's concerned about me as a person. That's what manage. That's what good managers, it's management. You have to manage the room. You've got to be the adult in the room. As I always say, you're the guy at the front of the plane. You're the guy at the front of the bus. You're the leader. There's a reason why in the NFL there's like seven, eight buses, the first bus, so when you get off the plane in the NFL, there's like seven, eight buses, and there's a police escort. Every team has a police escort everywhere they go. The, and the buses all have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, depending on how big your traveling party is. With the Raiders, I think we always had set six to seven buses, depending if, you, if this was a trip that you were going to be bringing sponsors and stuff. There could be eight. But bus number one, bus number one, whether it was getting onto the plane, getting off the plane, going to the hotel, leaving the hotel to the stadium, from the stadium back to the plane, bus number one always had one guy at the front. Front row, he was the guy. No one else sat with him. No one else sat there. There was one guy. Who was that guy? The head coach. It was the head coach. He's the leader of the team. He leads. It's just, and I remember with the A's, Bob Melvin, front row, by himself, every time, to the ballpark, ballpark back to that. That's the guy. And a lot of people want to be that guy But a lot of people can. not And some people get that opportunity and they don't last very long in that job because they don't have what it takes. Steve Vogt could be that guy. So I'm excited to talk to Stephen Vogt uh, coming up here at noon. going to be great to have him back. And what does he see as his role? What did, what did Billy, what did David, you know, who who who's talking to him, what have they told him the expectations are? Because this is not, to me, one of those deals where your agent calls up, you do a deal with the agent, the agent calls Stephen Vogt, Stephen Vogt signs, Stephen Vogt shows up, Stephen Vogt plays. I don't think it's that. I think this is a... This is a long conversation with the front office because the relationship, and I, I, these guys, I bet, had, a, had, hey, Steven, this is exactly what, what we see for you. And Steven saying, this is how I see myself. Yeah, this is a fit. This, this is not an agent is involved, but I what I'm trying to say is this was a deal done between the players and the organization. This is an organization Steven loves. And this organization loves him. So this just wasn't an agent going, you know, this wasn't your typical Scott Boris calling up Billy Bean going, hey, I need a favor. There's been some favors, right? Agents who have longtime relationships with front office people will be like, hey, I need a favor. Can you sign my guy? Stick him in AAA. Um, Can I give you one? I think, take, I, I think I know where you're going, but take, I want to hear it guess. anyway. Take a guess. Take a guess.
3: Are we going to throw out the
4: Dark Knight? Why was Matt Harvey signed? What? Why? Why? No, well, you know, we saw maybe the the potential of Matt Harvey. Matt Harvey needed 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 a spot, and so Boris's people found him a spot. They have a great relationship with the A's. Um, it is what it is really what you want to be and this is where football i think really figured it out with the with with their version of the salary cap is modern day football where we are today you are not beholden to a player long term that's the number one thing no one talks about a guy Will he play his whole career here? The only single position where you will entertain that is quarterback. You won't entertain that a guy will be with you his entire career. There's not a position. There's not one position where you go, will that guy be with us his entire career? That's all we talk about in baseball. If you got a pretty good player, uh, you're going to sign him long-term. Is he going to be here forever? To where in football, the only guy, and that's if he wins a Super Bowl. You could be a good quarterback, have numbers, and your fan base won't even talk about keeping you long-term. So football has conditioned its fan base to, hey, love a player, but he ain't going to be here long-term. Perfect example just happened today. Matt Ryan
3: just got traded from the Falcons. Matt Ryan got traded? Yeah, Matt Ryan. Indianapolis Colt Matt Ryan. No. Yeah. For th- you know what he got traded for? A third-round pick. But the
4: 49ers can't trade Jimmy Garoppolo. Wait a minute. Matt Ryan is a colt? Yep. I didn't see that. And then, and what, then, and then, and then, hey, you know what the difference is? I've been working all day. You've been sitting in front of your computer in socks and watching baseball and hanging out on Twitter. And I've been working. I'm gra- Look at the dirt underneath my nails. I, now, I'm I, like a contractor.
3: Well, I, what you were doing, we, I helped you do the other day too. So we're it's it's a grind, man.
4: Well, yeah, you, you were the the key phrase the other day.
3: Yeah, uh, but no, I, I, real quick to, to finish the Matt Ryan point. Matt Ryan's a Colt. Matt Ryan, a Colt. Marcus Mariota, a Falcon. Was was this deal up with the Raiders? Yeah. So at his old offensive coordinator in Tennessee, the head coach
4: of the Atlanta Falcons, Arthur Smith. So there you go, uh, Matt Ryan. At the, at the end of his career, will have Hall of Fame numbers. Yeah. Hope. He won't have Hall of Fame trophies. He'll have Hall of Fame numbers. Yeah. But football conditions you that nobody that you have is going to be a guy that you have forever. Like, the fact that Aaron Donald could hang him up and he's a lifetime Ram is so, like, like, no one stays with their franchise forever. But in baseball, we crave it. And like DAs, and I understand our fan base craves a franchise guy, but there isn't a franchise guy anymore in the NFL. Well, you, uh, another example in baseball. And don't go like, well, what about now Aaron Rodgers? No, no. Okay. Those are Anybody who's like an Aaron Rodgers now is an outlier. He,
3: okay. I, I, no, I wasn't even going to say Rodgers. I was going to say with baseball.
4: Uh, another Atlanta
3: guy, Freddie Freeman was supposed to say with the Braves his whole career. He's not even there anymore. The only guy I can think of right now that that may finish his career with one team that's not a position player, Steven Strasburg might finish his career as a national because of his deal cuz he <laughs> has to. Yeah. But like I'm in tra- Trump- How do we
4: how, how do we how do we condition the fans? And this might be interesting to talk to Chip Carey about, legendary voice of the Atlanta Braves on television of the famed Carey family. Hey. Like how do modern day sports fans we conditioned you to buy jerseys we conditioned you to care but really you shouldn't necessarily care so much about the actual players how do we change your mentality how do we change your fandom and how you cuz once again NFL people for the most part really you root for teams knowing that players, you can buy a player's jersey, but, you know, the average guy only plays like two, three years at best, and there's a good chance that your guy, who you love, won't be there for his entire career. Look at the Braves,
3: for example, again, back in the 90s and 2000s. Did Greg Maddox finish his career as Atlanta Brave? No. I not believe he finished as a Padre?
4: Or a Dodger? Dodger was one of the
3: Southern California teams. Tom Glavin, I think, left to go to the Mets and came back to finish his career. John Smoltz left too. Red Sox. Yeah. So these John guys, Smoltz. So the you know so
4: talking about Chip Carey, like these Chipper Jones would be like he's the one. He's the one. Andrew Jones was a Yankee. Not even Dale Murphy. Dale Murphy got traded to the Phillies.
3: Exactly. So like it, there's not there's not a modern day baseball players to stick with one team. It's very rare. Derek who, Jeter. Who do we got? Jeter. Uh, You've probably got Trout. Because yeah, of his the contract, yes. Well, then again, I, mean, I would sign him when he's 38 if he still plays
4: well. Trout and? Let me look. Let me think around the league. Now, don't give me young guys because young guys can get moved. So, you can say, well, Acuna, Acuna he could get moved. Um, Who's he, a guy that's he's re- locked in that you know? Re- you said Strasburg, but that might be because of He, he
3: retired, but Kyle Sigurdsson has his whole career with the Mariners. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I I'm trying to
4: think. Who of, who reached out? I think it was the Rangers. The Rangers. Re- they Rangers want, reached out. I think I read that they one. wanted him to play with his brother. Yeah, and like Martin who in baseball? We're probably missing somebody. But who in baseball are you? Mike, there's po- there's potential. Now I think Trout does for sure. Soto, if you if you can sign him long term, yeah. Nats, um, but it just seems like these guys don't like Harper. Machado didn't value it. Tatis maybe with the Padres because
3: he, cause he Oof. has a, his is a Well, it's. A 14, I would
4: say no. It's a what fourteen-year deal. I would say no. I I bet I I. Guys who sign those big deals with with certain teams, I could see. I just I, forget that. I think you, you can sign with the Yankees, and you probably don't finish. Okay, they're,
3: okay. These are three guys that they're not Hall of Famers. Well, one guy is on the fringe, but they've been with their career, the whole career there. Uh, Posey, Crawford, and Belt. Now well, Posey's done, so he finished all career. That well, Belt and Crawford be there. But Crawford might. I don't know. Belt's only on a one year deal, or he has the qualifying offer. So I mean, if you're and those are guys are local. Other than that, it's it's hard to think of. The, like, Ma- Max Scherzer's been on like five different teams. He was on Detroit. He was on Arizona to start his career. He was on the Nationals. He was on the Dodgers. Now he's a Met.
4: All right, I'm just going to go to the teams, right? In Major League Baseball, D-backs don't have a guy. No, Goldschmidt's gone. <laughs> Acuna, maybe in Atlanta. Baltimore? Good luck. Trey Mancini? Uh, Red Sox?
3: Right now it would be Bo. Well, he might opt out.
4: Yeah, we're talking about Bogarts is a free agent. De- Devers? I don't uh, we're talking guys now. We're not talking great.
3: That was a good player. But yeah, I get your going. Right. All right.
4: Uh, Cubs. Uh, Not right now. White Sox.
3: Uh, Jose Abreu. But he came up later, though.
4: Had a hell of a career, though. (laughs) Yeah, he's been pretty good. (laughs) He's been really good. Uh, Cincinnati Reds. Joey Votto. Votto, Votto, Yeah. yeah. Is that because of contract?
3: Oh, you don't think the Reds are trying to trade him? with the money he's making.
4: So that's just because of contract?
3: I I mean, he's a good – he seems like an all-around really good guy, and he fits in that. He's been there for so long. uh, Well, his first year was like 08 or 09, I think. um, And he broke on the scene in 2010 when he won the MVP. So he'd be the guy, but he makes so much money. Like, let me pull up that contract. It's just – it is not a
4: team-friendly deal. So this is alphabetical order. That would be your Cleveland Guardians – no. Uh, Jose Ramirez has been there for a while, but he's
3: been rumored in trade talks, too. Rockies. Yeah. Um, Trevor Sturk. Huh? They did just resign uh, Ryan McMahon to a four-year, $70 million deal.
4: And I heard the the girl who works for uh, MLB Sirius XM, who she covers the Rockies. Oh, Jenny Kavanaugh. Yeah, she was loving on him today. Um, Tigers. No, because no, Cabrera got traded there. Uh, Astros actually have two. You got Brandt, uh, Bregman, uh, Bregman and Bregman Altuve. And Altuve. Okay. Uh, Dodgers. Bellinger. Kershaw. Eh. He was left
3: this year. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know, right? Like Walker, Bueller, no. Oh, we didn't even bring it up. Kenley Jansen's a brave. Yeah. He got a one only a one year deal. For sixteen million, though. No, it's here we go with contracts again, but that's still it's a good move for him. I mean he can he can go he could reestablish his value and enter the market again next year.
4: Marlins no, Brewers no. Uh
3: Brewer you all know because he just traded there.
4: Uh twins no.
3: Buckson, if he finishes out of this, this contract, he could be a guy.
4: Long term. I'm talking long term. He's been there for entire a entire career.
3: He's been there since twenty seven sixteen or seventeen. But probably, he probably won't be there, so it's the twins. Mets. DeGrom. The, the only guy I can think of. The guy who's opting out.
4: The, I hope they'll opt out they'll probably resign. Comfortos a free agent. I don't know. I'ma say no. Uh Yankees, right? The Yankees be next. The Yankees would be well yeah. You're a smart New York Mets preceded by New, <laughs> New York, York Yankees. Yankees. Aaron Judge, maybe. Maybe.
3: So let's see, starting pitchers, nope. No, I know Garrett Cole was originally originally drafted
4: by them, but he... Oakland refused. A's? We'd be next on the board. Uh, no. no. Uh, Philadelphia Phillies?
3: No. Uh, top of my head, the only guy that's been there for a while, and he's, just,
4: he's a decent player, is Reese Hoskins, so probably not. They're vaunted first baseman now. Uh, your Pirates? No. Padres Tatis? Giants. We already said them. Mariners.
3: Well, I told you he's gone, but it was Seager. Uh Has anyone else – who else has been on that team for a while? Hanniger. No, because he didn't start his career there anyway. He was traded there.
4: Uh, Cardinals? Um,
3: Matt Carpenter is now a Ranger, so no. Arenado? No. Uh, Wainwright. Oh, no, he started with the Braves, though. Never mind. Rays?
4: Unless Longoria goes back. Rangers, no. Ocala's gone. Blue Jays, potentially they got a couple guys, but that's a long way to go. Yeah, it's a very let, long let, way to go. Let's see what happens when the likes of Guerrero Jr. and Bichette hit free agency. And then the Nats won Soto. So we just went through 30 teams, and the point of, this, e- the, 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 the point of this exercise – there's very, very few guys that are going to be career guys with one team, and we really have to look at it. It's a dying, it's a dying thing, and that there, 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 we should be conditioning ourselves as fans not to worry about one guy, one team for his entire career. You should worry about. How much can I get out of this guy before we move him? And, I, and love him while you got him, right? Love the one you're with, but just know you're not ending your relationship with this guy. Or you're not in, your final relationship won't be this guy. There's always going to be new players. There's always going to be new guys. Nobody stays with a franchise. I mean, if you could have Mr. Tiger and Al Kaline and he comes up at 18 and he dies a Tiger and he was at Tiger Stadium when you were there and he's always there, if you have that guy, great. But that is really not a reality.
3: I'm trying to think of – I I went back and looked. I was just trying to think if there was a Cub we might have missed. And Kyle Hendricks has been there for a while, but that's about it. So, no. But Albert,
4: yeah, you're, you're, you're right, though. About How about Albert Pujols? Like, there, there, there's like a service contract that when Albert Pujols is done, it's like he gets a million a year for ten years to be like Mr. Angel. Do you think people really want Albert Pujols around? Do you think, like, Pujols is going to be walking around the big A and everybody's like, oh, yeah, it's Albert Pujols?
3: Uh, no. If it was St. Louis, he'd get a standing ovation every time he walked around the ballpark. This is when he's retired. Um. Yeah, like they, like even think of like the, some of the best players of all time. Trevor Hoffman didn't finish his career as a San Diego Padre. He was a Brewer. Yeah, there's a lot of guys like that that didn't finish their career. Uh, what the team they started with? It's a very it's a rarity to have a Derek Jeter or a Buster Posey anymore in baseball. Now you're right about football. It's been one you know one one team for the quarterback. Like look at basketball. Steph Curry is with the Warriors. so probably he might finish with the Warriors his whole career. Even in basketball, you don't get it. Kevin Durant didn't say what the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder slash Supersonics his whole career. LeBron James has been back to Cleveland twice already. And Michael Jordan was a wizard. Yeah, yeah. Don't forget, Jordan was a wizard. Yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> you know, it's just, and that's, and I always, I, I, I know it just sucks to hear, but I think that's very important for our fan base. Our our fan base. You know, because they've never had it, I think they long for it, but if they had it, they'd realize how it's overrated. Because it is not fun to watch your, your supposed superstar. It's not fun to watch him get old. It's not fun to shop him. It's not fun to get rid of him. It's not. It's not fun to watch someone age and not have the numbers anymore and then, you know... The only good part is at the very end when you do this, like, you know, this the, the this farewell tour. How many guys have really had a farewell tour? You know, it was like Cal Ripken, Tony Gwynn, very few. George Brett. Jeter. Jeter. Rivera. Very few have had a farewell tour. But I'm telling you, the Lifetime guy, it just, it's it doesn't, it doesn't. Do you think the. Do you think watching pool holes at the end was fun for an Angel fan? I don't. I don't know.
3: I'm married to an Angels fan. I don't know how much they enjoyed watching pool holes. Period. After the first
4: couple, like of years. who wants to watch a guy's skills erode, and yet you still owe him all this money and. Uh. God what do you do and he still wants to play every day of course he wants to play every day but you don't want him to play every day why because the numbers show he shouldn't play every day and my God it's painful to watch him run down to first base it's like A's fans you haven't had to deal with that but you sh- but boy do you want it I I pulled up Votto's
3: contract how much do you think Joey Votto is making this year at eight? 38 with, for the
4: Cincinnati Reds. But you got to realize, I became a Votto fan last year when he stopped trying to walk and he started trying it, to it hit home, home runs. runs. He
3: did have a good year last year. I'll, um, at age 38, Joey Votto is making $25 million. At age 39, how much money is Joey Votto going to be making? $25 million. million. At age 40, Joey Votto is going to make $40 million. Well, it's a team option with a $7 million buyout. I'm pretty sure they're going to buy him out when he's age 40. For the seven million dollars, and so he has two more years left with the the Reds for fifty million dollars. Because who wants to take on that contract? He's still a good player, but he's not the player he was. Like last year, he was last year he was really good because like, he, he was swinging
4: it. He hit 30. 30- he wasn't trying to walk anymore. He was at he admitted it. That was the coolest thing about Joey Votto last year is that Joey Votto actually admitted, you know what? Because a lot of people criticized him, including yours truly. It's like. Oh, you're on-base is great, but your team stinks, and you're not – like, go to his run scored. How much has that dipped? Um, Let's see.
3: His run scored. Hey, he scored 106 in 2017 at age 33. Then it was 67, 79. He only played in 50 games in 2020, obviously. And then he had scored 73 runs last year, 36 of them. Or because he had a home run. <laughs>
4: but that was the thing. He admitted because he, he heard the criticism like, that's great. He walks a lot. So what did he start doing? He says he's trying to hit home runs. How many did he hit? 36. I became a – do you remember when I flipped yeah. on him last year? I became a Joey Votto fan last year. I'm Just looking at his numbers, like he has
3: really solid numbers. He's only broken – how many times do you think he's broken 100 RBIs in his career? Not a lot. Three. He had ninety nine last year. So yeah. could, it could have been four. Three times he's done it. In that
4: ballpark. In yeah. that bandbox. But look at his look at his on base percentage.
3: Uh his oh his career on base percentage is four sixteen. It's pretty good. Now how many RBIs? Uh career RBIs, one
4: thousand sixty five and three hundred and thirty-one career home runs. But yet, at the age of what did he say? You know what? I'm tired of just being the guy that walks a lot. Uh, how many home runs?
3: Thirty-seven years old, thirty-six home runs. Because he started swinging it.
4: Good for him. I'm <laughs> not. I'm not. Do not bring down my guy Joey Votto now. I
3: feel bad now. He's the no one. He's the no one in that lot. Casianos is a Philly. Oh, they got. I guess they do. They still have Mustakis, but they really don't have anyone that Winker's gone.
4: Uh, Barnhart's gone. Why would you have Mustakis at this point? And can you deal him? Uh, let's see. What's? I what? mean, the universal DH should help you out, right? Yeah. Some, some guys should really benefit from the universal DH. Like some guys, they saw that rule and said, man, I'm going to get a paycheck for at least four or five more years. He had a negative
3: one. Po- he had a negative one war last year. Uh, he only played in 62 games. But, man, Musakis has fallen off. I mean, he had 35 home runs in 2019. He put he only hit eight in 2020 in the shortened season. And then he only played in 60 games last year. And he hit six at age, 32. And they're paying him now. Moustakis is making 16 million this year, 18 million next year, and then he has a 20 million dollar option with a 4 million dollar buyout the same year as Joey Votto. Yikes! If you're the Reds, someone will take him though. If you try to trade him, I mean, I think he has the money he he's owed is a lot easier to take on than Joey Votto because of his age, and the universal DH would help it. Yeah, I mean, just I don't know why we we got stuck on the Reds, but they. Uh, they're not the Reds anymore with Adam Dunn hitting all these home runs. They're going to be a lot different this year. But um, you just you got to feel bad. In a way, I feel bad for Votto. You know, entering the twilight of his career,
4: and he's going to be playing on some probably bad teams in Cincinnati. I don't know. And we'll have to ask this for David Force next time.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive
4: Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When did we talk to them last? Was it Monday? The last. Last Friday, I want to say we talked to him. Okay. So the next time we talk to David Forrest, actually we'll probably have to wait to see if these guys get traded. But how does that work? Because I'd have to think as a business, right? I would have to think, I would rather you deal with the player in arbitration and then I'll trade for him. Like if you trade for a guy – Now I got to negotiate with him. I got to go through all this. And then if he doesn't like it, I then have to actually go to arbitration with him. And he's not even really my player. He's never played a game for me. Why would I want to deal with that? I'd rather you deal with it. And then once you come together with a a price, then I trade for him and I don't got to worry about it. I don't have the hassle now. I would think that's how you'd want to do business. I don't know if that is the case. Do you have here on the playbook what they got? Yeah, I think Manai. I have it at
3: the very top. Um, if I don't, then it was like it was nine point eight.
4: It, it was nine something for Montas. It was like, no,
3: no, nine point eight for Manai, or something like that. So nine was, point, and it was five point. It was like 5.025 million for Frankie. Here you go.
4: Minaya, 9.75. Frankie got 5 and change.
3: Yeah, 5.025.
4: So, are teams looking at this saying, let the A's deal with that. Now that that's set, now we trade for them. Or does that just not even matter? Well, uh, okay,
3: so I see what you're saying with that, but look at what happened with Matt, uh, Matt Olson. Matt Olson was traded. He was an arbitration guy, and he was re- he resigned for eight years. Matt Chapman just agreed to a two-year deal worth twenty-five million with the Blue Jays, so he bought out his last two years of arbitration. The only guy that didn't agree to a deal, Chris Bassett, and the Mets didn't agree. So I think they're having a hearing on what his salary will be. Yeah,
4: you're having a hearing with a guy that's not even your guy. So you got to go. in Well, he's your guy, but he's really not your guy. He hasn't pitched for you yet. And now in arbitration, you got to go in and hammer him that's what happens you have an you have an arbiter and you got the team and you got the player and you have to go in and argue against the player so the Mets are now going to go argue against Chris Bassett and he's never thrown a pitch for him yet you think that goes over well it's interesting it really is do you see what I'm saying now yeah. like so all right take 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 Matt Chapman to Toronto Blue Jays obviously said, okay, we'll give him twenty five million for two years to buy that. But if I'm a team, wouldn't you rather have the A's work out the deal and now when I trade for Sean Mania, I already know what I gotta pay him.
3: Yeah. I get where you're saying coming with that. Then you can also you can also trade for him and give him an
4: extension too. I can, but I don't have to. No, and you don't He's making nine points. If 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 I'm give me a team. Yankees. Okay. I'm Brian Cashman. If I trade for Maniah a week ago, I got to deal with this. But now I trade for Maniah, I don't have to deal with anything. I just say, here's the ball, take it every five days, and you're making 9750000 million. I'll deal with you later. But if I trade for him a week, a week ago, I got to come to grips with him and maybe he thinks, oh, I'm coming to the Yankees. I want more money. And then I got to do what Bassett's doing with the Mets. I now got to go to arbitration with a guy who's technically never even thrown a pitch for me yet.
3: He just got to camp and you already are, your guys are already going to be hearing about money.
4: Yeah. I got to go fight against you about money and you haven't gotten one out for me. That just seems uncomfortable. So that's why... I could be totally wrong, but I think now this sets up the process, makes it easier to trade. You know what Minaya is. If you're a team trading for Minaya, I know what i got to pay him. If I'm trading for Montas, I know what i got to pay him. And here are the prospects that I'll give. Here's the money I'm taking on. It's a business. You always have to know the dollar amount. The dollar amount is key because you have books. You have accounting. You have an ownership group that said this – I think what people don't understand is that baseball is a business and that ownership and the accounting department gives the front office a number of what they can work with. For some reason, we act like these vice president of baseball operations or baseball president or GM, whatever, whatever your title is, that these guys are deciding the money that can be spent. I really believe baseball fans think that. That they think that these guys who get these fancy titles run the checkbook. And the answer is, no, they don't. They're told what they can spend. They're told what the parameters are. When they have to go spend, you give me a contract, whether it's Bryce Harper or it's Manny Machado or it's Lindor or it's Mookie Betts, you have to go to ownership. Hey, we want this guy. This is what it's going to cost to sign him. Are you cool with that? You think a general manager just goes, oh, I'm just going to sign this guy for $300 million. It's not his money. Accounting looks at everything. Accounting, The accounting department looks at what you're making off television, what you're making off attendance, what you're making off merch, what you're getting from baseball, and they look at all that and they put it all together in these fancy graphs and all this kind of stuff, and then they go to the front office and they say, this is what ownership approves. Ownership approves a hundred, we'll just throw a number out there, $140 million payroll, up and around there. So then you know as a GM or... Vice president, a baseball opera, you know, all those stupid titles these guys have. You know you got around $140 million to spend. And I can do it with 25 players. Well, it then switched to 26 players, and now it's switching to 28 players for, what, the first month. But that's what you got. Ownership doesn't say, here's a blank check, spend whatever you want. Oh, yeah, go over that luxury tax. Nope. Every single guy who runs an organization has a limit. He doesn't have an unlimited, uh, he doesn't have that black card where he can just spend as much as he wants. Or gal, as much as she wants. Kimming in in Florida with the uh, Miami Marlins, I guarantee he doesn't have a black card. She can't spend Whatever she wants on players.
3: She did resign Sandy Alcantara, though. But yeah, you're right. They're they're not spending. You know, they're they've been rumored to be on in on some players like Castellanos and the Jorge Soler signing was a good move for them. Three years at 36 with opt outs. But yeah. you're right. She's not going to get the the green light to go out and sign Bryce or not Bryce Hart's a bad example. Uh, Bryce Freddie, Fr- Freddie Freeman and you know the Dodgers this offseason spent 266.2 million dollars on their payroll. That's yeah, not even the most.
4: Yeah, you sent the uh you sent the the ESPN article. Now obviously we're in different times. It's hard to compare. The article is a little bit misleading because times are different. And you can't you can't compare the actual dollar amount of 2022 to let's say 1992. But you can compare percentages of how much stuff's gone up in free agency. But the article from ESPN says most money ever spent in an offseason on free agents. Think about that one for a moment. We spent 99. How many days was the lockout? 99. 99 days we spent lockout. 99 bitching and complaining about every little penny. And yet in the end, the owners and the players have agreed to more money ever in the history of free agency.
3: The, the previous high before this year was $2.4 billion in 2016. This year, with 130 players having signed major league contracts, for a whopping $3.265 billion, that's a 36% increase uh, since then.
4: So I'm wondering, percentage-wise, what's the largest increase ever, though, in free agency? Uh, I don't know if, that's, if that was in there, but 36% is pretty good from the highest. But did you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Because like, I'm not going to compare dollar amounts of the 2001 or 1991 or, you know, but there's been years where guys have raked it in free agency, just the money was different.
3: Like, here's an example. Here's the five biggest spenders of this offseason the Rangers, $580.7 million. Okay, what,
4: now notice what we're going to talk about here. The majority of these teams are losing teams. So, losing team Rangers, check. Dodgers, 266.2 million. Winners on the other side, check. So, 1 1. The
3: New York Metropolitans, 258.5 million. Losers, they go into the loser category. That's 2. The Detroit Tigers at 235.5. Loser category, 3. Now, this one's going to be interesting because they had a winning record last year. The Philadelphia Phillies at $204.15 million. Loser category because they were not in the playoffs.
4: Okay, so here's the teams that spent the least. Okay, okay, so there's five teams that spent the most. One of them's a winner. One's a winner. Four were losers, and you might say, "Huh," but that's the reality. The losers have been waiting to spend money, right? Yeah. The losers, like Texas, we knew new ballpark. COVID screwed that up. They weren't able to have fans, but they've had money that they've wanted to spend. Free agents realize, okay, I'm gonna lo- I'm gonna look foolish getting on camera at a news conference saying that i'm here to be a winner but the teams with the most money to spend in the offseason were teams that were losers
3: yeah are you are you quoting chris bryant again with the uh, chris bryant
4: <laughs> chris bryant went to colorado to be a winner and he likes the school districts
3: uh so here's the teams that spent the least now obviously we everyone knows our fan base knows that we haven't signed a free agent so our is zero the cleveland guardians who people think could be competitive, spent nine hundred thousand dollars in free agency.
4: So we're zero. They're nine hundred grand. All right. The Cincinnati Reds, who traded everybody away,
3: essentially besides Joey Vada, who they can't trade, sent five point five million, the Baltimore Orioles, seven point nine million, and the Milwaukee Brewers, twelve point nine million dollars. Now the Brewers are interesting because we know what they did last year winning their division. They are a division winning team. They have a very good uh, pitching staff with Brandon Woodruff and reigning Cy Young winner Corbin Burns, who is looking to repeat as a Cy Young winner. But they spent $12.9 million in free agency as a team that won the division. It could be a favorite. Well, I don't think it would be a favorite in the National League anymore, but they're a team that, that is competitive. And real quick on them, Josh Hader, new deal yesterday, agreed to an arbitration deal of $11 million. So Hader got paid. But let's see if he's – every year, we, what do we hear about Josh Hader every year? Oh, well, Get Brewer, traded. Or the Brewer's going to trade him. So the, I'll run through the numbers again. The A's were one, it, us at zero. So we haven't signed one free agent. No. Major league contract, no. Sounds like an Oakland A already. Guardians at nine hundred thousand two. Reds at $5.5 5 at three. The Baltimore Orioles at $7.9 at four. And the Milwaukee Brewers at $12.9 for fifth. My Pittsburgh Pirates have spent more money than these teams have. I don't understand that. I don't understand how that's possible. They even signed anybody that I know of of note.
4: But the one thing that really kind of irks me, and I don't know if it's because of where I am in my career, I'm t- I, I just, I, I have a, my, my BS meter is really strong these days. Like, I don't want to hear about baseball players when they talk about, I want to go somewhere where I want to win. I mean, does anybody buy that? It's one of the reasons. I think what's been going on recently kind of proves my point of it bugs me, and I just understand it's the business. It's how we've run the business. It's how we've run it for so many years, where we just so cater to every little freaking need of the players. And it's every organization and it's every sport. And you could say, well, it's the players that 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 people come to see. Eh, I think that's debatable because players change all the time. It's the sport you come to see. Players will change. No one plays forever. And, man, do we accommodate these guys. We kiss these guys' fannies. We tiptoe around their every little single need. Why? They're going to leave. Their loyalties go somewhere else. And I just I – just, it just – it rubs me so wrong. I, I and, and I'll kind of stay away from our guys and our former guys. I, I'll give you one. You know, when you're watching someone sign with the Colorado Rockies and they talk about, I want to win. I'm here because I want to win. Are, are, are you really selling that, Chris Bryant, that you're going to the Colorado Rockies because you want to win? Are you serious? I mean, we have seen guys who truly do want to win. And we can look at other sports. Michael Jordan for years was not even close to the highest paid player in the NBA. Wasn't even the highest paid player on his team. Scottie Pippen made more money off contracts in the NBA than Michael Jordan ever did. Now, Michael made all of his money off endorsements, and he's now a billionaire. But... Michael Jordan never sat out, never demanded to be the highest-paid player. Look at Tom Brady. Tom Brady never requested to be the highest-paid quarterback. There are always plenty of guys making more because they actually did want to win. You know, we had players from yesteryear that took pride in, no matter what, I want to be in one spot my entire career. So there were some lean years for Cal Ripken Jr. in Baltimore. There were lean years for Kirby Puckett in Minnesota. There were lean years in San Diego for Tony Gwynn. But there were also great years. But they wanted to be in the same place, spend their entire career, and they wanted to be a franchise guy. And so easy now do we hear guys Or they go, oh, I want to win. Well, let's be honest. I was fine with what Matt Chapman had to say to Ken Rosenthal until he brought up the Toronto Blue Jays. Like, you can say they want to win. You, can, you could say that they're on a path maybe to win. But let's not forget the A's have won a hell of a lot more games than the Toronto Blue Jays since uh, Matt Chapman entered Major League Baseball. They've been to the playoffs more than the Toronto Blue Jays have been since Matt Chapman entered baseball, right? Bob Melvin left. Well, it's a great opportunity here. Bob Melvin and the A's won a hell of a lot more games in his tenure than the San Diego Padres every day. You know how many times the Padres made the playoffs the tenure that Bob Melvin was in Oakland? How many times? One. One. One.
3: That was in the 2020 year.
4: One. So it's amazing to me, like, all of a sudden, everybody's talking about winning, and you're leaving an organization that won a hell of a lot more than the organization you're going to. Now, you might say, well, Townie, look, they're starting to break up the team. They always do this, and two years later, they're back in the playoffs for three, four years, which the Blue Jays don't do and the Padres don't do. Only Matt Olsen really can leave here and go... I'm going to the defending world champions. And you tip your cap and go, okay, I get it. But don't let economics and winning fool you. Perception versus reality. You know, aren't you supposed to be the person that makes that change? That makes the team the winning franchise? Are you really going to be shocked if not this year... Even next year, the year after, what the A's could be doing. Are you going to be shocked? Why would you be? Half the time that Billy Bean has run this franchise since he's taken over in late 97 and in first season 98, half basically half the time his team's been in the postseason. How many times have the Toronto Blue Jays won their division since um, I'm going to throw it out there, throw put them up on Wikipedia. I'm going to say the Blue Jays have won their division one time in the last 20-plus years. Uh, okay, so let's go back to
3: 2000. Let's, go back to, let's just go back to 2000. Since 2000, the Blue Jays have won their division one time. Wow. You would think I cover the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm so smart. It was in 2015 when they won the division and lost in the ALCS four games to two.
4: I'm a guy who doesn't cover the American League East. I'm a guy who doesn't cover the Toronto Blue Jays. And I could tell you they've won their division one time in the last 20-plus years. One time. But I, you know what? I We could have told you this when we had Scott Boris. I'm not even sure if you still have this piece of audio, but we had Scott Boris. Who, what, what, what draft pick was he with that one time we had him on the field?
3: Well, we had him both times.
4: Was it Logan Davidson? We had
3: Davidson and when Max Muncy was drafted.
4: Uh, I think it was Logan Davidson. That oh, year. Is, is this the? This is when I asked him about Matt Chapman, and he gave us like a five-minute answer, and uh-huh. that's talking about ba- he talked about Major League Baseball having teams in Asia. Which it was one of the most. I'm not going to answer your question, and I'm going to take this roller coaster ride of an answer. All over the place and never answer your question. It was just like, what is he talking? I mean, is Matt Chapman interested in staying here long term? And then all of a sudden, it turned into Major League Baseball playing, having teams in Asia, which I still don't even know how he got. My mind was spinning that point. I but- think
3: I think I found it. By the way. Uh, what, How long,
4: it, it's a few minutes, so I don't know if we need to play Two minutes it. and ten seconds. Okay, fine. Let's play He, But it just goes to show this is the mentality, right, of a Scott Boris client. A Scott Boris client, these guys, there was quite a few of them who are representing the players at the meetings between the owners and the players. By the way, every Scott Boris client who was either on that executive committee, I don't remember what the exact name of it was. It was a uh, players' uh, subcommittee. The players' subcommittee, there was eight of them. They all voted against it, but every guy was a Boris guy. And then the four representatives who voted against it, represented for teams, I want to say three of them, I think, or maybe even four of them were Boris guys. Put it this way, every Boris guy voted against this latest CBA, right? And this is the type of, you know, this is the type of player that – you know, Carlos Correa turns down $275 million. Now he's signing this, which I think is a good deal uh, for both Correa and the Twins. I'll go over that, uh, why it is a good deal. But, you know, it's why Chris Bryant signs a deal in Colorado and says, I'm here to win. It's why Matt Chapman turns down $150 million. By the way, uh, how many people in the A's fan base – what were your thoughts? I'd throw it out there if we could take calls. I'd throw it out there. When you heard that 150 million was offered, clearly by far the most ever. Ten years. 150 million, I mean, that's life-changing, that's forget life-changing money. It's it's generational wealth was offered to a guy and he turned it down. And he turned it down saying, well, the commitment of the organization. He says that after he had just been in the playoffs three out of four years, by the way. I have the
3: direct quote from right here in Ken Rosenthal's piece in The Athletic. It came out two days ago. Here's a quote from Matt Chapman to Ken Rosenthal. If it was a team that was going to compete and try for it for years to come, go for a World Series, kind of like the Blue Jays, an organization that wants to win, wants to do things, that's when I felt like something would make sense. I didn't want to commit to somebody when I wasn't sure what the future would look like.
4: And you would just been in the playoffs three out of four years, and the year, year you didn't go to the playoffs, you won 86 games. Yeah, And you're talking about the Blue Jays, who once again, who have won their division one time over the last 20 years. Well, they're going for – just because you spend some money doesn't mean you win. Ask the San Diego Padres, who have won their division one time in the last 20-something years. And you think they'll win it this year? <laughs> no. Okay, that's year one of Bob Melvin's contract. Sorry, Bob. Yeah, no. three years left out of that. Will Will the Padres win the division in any of the years Melvin Freddie Freeman? Now everybody said how great Freddie Freeman. Will they ever win a division while Bob Melvin's the manager? I'm going to have to say no. But yet, all Bob Melvin did was go to the playoffs and win with the A's. Fact. So it, it just it just but optics don't look good with the ballpark situation and still playing at the Coliseum. I'm not trying to apologize for anybody. I'm not trying to be a homer, even though it's probably going to sound like that. All I'm saying is check the facts, check the records. Do you want to go how many games the A's are over 500 versus the Padres in Bob Melvin's tenure. Do you want to go how many games the A's are over 500 in Matt Chapman's tenure versus the Toronto Blue Jays? So you leave a winning situation, and then you crap on it and say, well, these guys want to, okay, maybe they do, I don't know, maybe Toronto is going to be a great team. On paper, they look like it. We don't know. And what happens if, Matt Chapman continues to be the same guy to where he hits 220, strikes out, strikes out 200 times a year, runs into 27, let's say 25 to 30 balls a year. That's something I texted Cody the, uh, Cody the other day. I said, do you realize you run into five balls, a year, five balls a month, right? Five times six is what? 30. 30 home runs. I run into five a month. We don't know what the score is. Score could be 8-1. You're you're in the lead. You could be losing eight one. You run into five balls a month, hit two twenty, and strike out over two hundred times. Are you really that great of an offensive player? On paper, no. Right. I mean, uh, it's a good ballpark to hit in. I, I'm not. I, I think Matt Chapman will end up having a bunch of home runs. I predicted Don when Donald, Donaldson got traded. I said hey, in that division, Donaldson. Donaldson, and of course, for a couple of years, Donaldson was hell on wheels, and Donaldson won an MVP. Since then, he's made a lot of money not playing a lot of games. That age regression model has not fared well for JD, and the Yankees have, are taking a gamble on his money and his age. I just, what I don't want to do is crap on what this organization has done X amount of years of winning and being in the postseason. And they can get back to that pretty damn quick. We've seen that multiple times. But modern-day athletes want to jump ship so fast. Modern-day athletes want to talk about, oh, it's all about winning. Uh Uh-huh. All about winning. I mean, if you're all about winning, you would take good money. You wouldn't always take the top dollar if it was all about winning. You would go to the best situation. Like, if Carlos Correa was to say to me, I'm all about winning... Why would you leave the Houston Astros? Why would you leave a situation where you're in the World Series or almost in the World Series every single year to sign with the Twins if you cared about winning? If you want to be about the dollar, I don't think in society for the most part that we're going to hate you for it capitalism go ahead if you care hey i'm looking who value who values me the most who's gonna offer me the most money then just say it but when you when you go like huh the rockies are the rockies oh yeah the colorado rockies are offering the most money in years i'm going to colorado but i'm here because i want to win man come on do you really sign a deal carlos correa which by the way it's a brilliant deal Essentially, he can walk after. It's a three-year deal. He can walk after the first two years. It's a great deal for Minnesota. We're basically paying him for one year. We know we may, li- we may like him. We give ourselves options. It's flexibility, right? Flexibility is the name of the game in our sport. I have the flexibility, if I'm the twins, to sign him long-term or let him walk. I can let him walk after three years. He can walk after one or two. You basically signed him to this deal to have a, a top shortstop for one season. And it gives Correa the flexibility to wait for the market to kind of balance out, have a regular off season, still young enough to get that big free agent contract. But, But Cody, do you really leave Houston to go to Minnesota? Because I want to win.
3: The thing with – well, okay, let's let's stick with Correa for a second since we're talking about him. He's now the highest-paid infielder in Major League Baseball, surpassing Angels third baseman Anthony Rendon, who can't stay healthy. So now Correa is going to make $35.1 million this year. If you look at it from his perspective, great deal for him. If he plays well, he can opt out and get more money because he'll be 28 entering the offseason next year. And the only other big free agent shortstop on the market next year, if this guy opts out, is Xander Bogarts from the Red Sox.
4: There were absolutely no shortstops really on the market this year. They yeah. all turned out to be second basemen and outfielders, <laughs> <Yeah>. and <laughs> and what what's
3: crazy about Correa now thinking about the Twins is say the Twins don't compete. Say they they want to. They make all these moves. They get Sonny Gray. They get Isaiah Connor Falefa. They get uh, Gary Sanchez to catch. When
4: Dylan Bundy's one of your best pitchers, topping out
3: at eighty eight. Uh, what they're gonna do is if they're if they're bad, they can flip Correa at the deadline and get prospects back. Wait, wait, no, he went there to win. But the, the he twi- can't
4: get flipped because he went there to win.
3: Well, we'll see. I mean, it surprised everyone. I don't know if it surprised everyone as much as the, the uh, Carl or the Chris Bryant deal did when he signed with Colorado. But the twins spending that kind of money on a player. You know, Correa is a great player. The back issue is always going to be something that lingers over him, just like Trevor Story with the, the elbow. And that's why he's going to play second base for the Red Sox. But oh. when, you, when you think about. Correa, I, I mean, he's going to be so young enough next year when he turns when he turns twenty. If he opts out, he can get that ten year three hundred something million dollar deal. He'll be the next guy after what? France uh, Corey Seager to get a big deal. Now, if you look at Matt Chapman for when he's a free agent, he'll be entering his age thirty one season. Yeah, I just like Freddie Freeman. Yeah, he might have to take a a six, He might take a six year deal, but is he going to get two hundred million dollars? Eh, no.
4: Who's gonna like? a guy that's OPS has declined the last 3 years. Who's who's going to break the bank on a 31-year-old Matt Chapman? Like if we went down the line of the last I don't know, what what year would you want to go? 2010. Let's go down every World Series champion. How many guys was the third baseman, the guy that led the team? Uh th- there's one that pops off my well th-
3: David Freese in 2011 had a really good World Series for the, the but, Cardinals, but, but for the I, whole year,
4: yeah. I mean, Pablo Sandoval, ha, yes, Sandoval. had a – but but I'm talking about where he was the dude of the team. But wasn't for the for the Royals. I mean, where he was was Bregman the dude for the Astros? No, because he was young. I will give. I'll get. I against my own argument, I will give you. I'll give you Bregman because. But that's year Altuve won the MVP, so Altuve was really the guy. Okay, then you're not getting it. I, I'm not only is he the doobie; he's a really he's a really focal point.
3: Oh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Then I would go Bregman. What uh, 2018 was um, the Red Sox? Who was their third baseman that year? Brock Holt. Um, I'd have to look at their team. 2019 was the Nationals. Uh, Rendon with the Nationals. He was really good for them that year. He was a focal point. So that's two, maybe. And then, who, who
4: was who was playing third for the Cubs? Uh, Chris Bryant. Nah, he played all over, though. That's Chris Bryant's a tough one to. I mean, oh boy, sorry. I'm The you can't. Play all this right, game. It's, it's almost like we ought to turn the TV off when they <laughs> do the show because you, 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 you. They can't see what you're talking about.
3: Just a tapper back to the mound that he overthrew. The
4: Brady Singer overthrew the <laughs> plate. I don't. I. I'd have to go. to But Chris Bryant played all over the diamond. So Rendon and Bregman would be the two off the top. Mustakis would be in fifteen, right? Yeah. Sandoval Sandoval didn't even play in 2010
3: he wasn't even a part of it 11 would have been David Freese with the now if the Rangers would have won the World Series you can absolutely say Adrian Beltre, but they didn't win
4: so it's like uh, how much money are you going to invest into it third? let me let me throw this out there if you had to bet will Matt Chapman get an offer Ever in his career again of 150 or more? I'm going to say no. I think he'll get slightly
3: under that, but I think he'll get he won't get 150 million unless I could. No, I could be wrong. He can go out oh, there. Yeah, you
4: could be wrong. He could go out and have a monster year, and someone gives him yeah. 200 million. I mean, he had a
3: home run in spring training yesterday. But, but the
4: way baseball has going, oh god, I saw that.
3: So did Kevin Smith from the A's, the guy that came Stop. over in the deal. So hey, okay. they both have a home run.
4: <laughs> if Matt Chapman gets over 150, I'll be happy for him. But there are, you know, if he continues to strike out a lot and then here's the other thing. Now you're going to play, even though it's a better turf, now you're going to play on turf and you see what that did to Donaldson. Um, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's just I I, I, I hate to start the show out like this, but it just, it just bugged me over the weekend. Like, I'm going somewhere to win. So you were just here and won. In the playoffs, three out of four years—it was almost four years in a row—and you won a division title. How many? How many players in the history of baseball could say they went to the play? Like if the A's would have not faltered at the end, and let's—and I know it's hypothetical—and Jim Harbaugh would say hypotheticals—you could have been to the playoffs four straight years. How many players in the history of baseball ever were on a team that went to the playoffs four straight years? You know that's a really small amount. That's a really, really, really... Because years ago, it was a lot harder to make the postseason. Most players in their career will never go three years in a row. A lot of players never go at all. And we got guys jumping ship now, crapping on what, what... Like, you had a good run, don't crap on the run on your way out. I guess, you know what, moral of the story, that would be it for me. You had a good run, and you did something that... And I know in Oakland, people go, oh, it's World Series or bust. They, th- this, that, this group of crop of players had a pretty good run, better than most. We could go down the line. I could say, okay, has Detroit, you know, where's Detroit been lately, or Philly, or Seattle, you know, you could go down the line of all these teams that have not won. You can go through just decades of baseball, of players that never went to the playoffs three straight years. So let's not just all of a sudden just crap on everything that went on here and to say it can't happen really again that fast. You know, because that would be the thing. It's like in two years I could be interviewing Matt Chapman going, hey, remember when he said that? You're not even with Toronto anymore. You're a Boris client. You, you're you now in – give me a team. You're now in Arizona because you got a three-year, $60 million deal.
3: Yay! He wanted to be close to home like Chris Bryant. Oh, it was, yeah. the, One of the best quotes from Chris Bryant is, uh, they were saying, is that it's closer to Vegas for him, and he ne- he's never been on a losing team, and he wants to Wait. win, and that roster is ready
4: to win. So you're telling me, what is the difference a flight from Chicago – To from Chicago to Vegas, from Denver to Vegas. First of all, the Denver airport alone—if you've never been there, middle of nowhere—is literally (laughs) fifty miles outside. It's it's like an hour drive. So that makes up right there. That makes up the hour. You might find that out. Can you find that out? I'm looking up here. Which one? I'll do the other one. I'm doing Denver to Vegas. Okay, Chicago. To Las Vegas,
3: nonstop on Southwest, it's two hours.
4: Uh, Vegas to Chicago is estimated flight time three hours and twenty two minutes. So an hour and twenty, an hour and a half difference. But once again, fifty miles outside of Denver is the airport. Fifty miles, it's like <laughs> if you've never been there, it's like so. It's the, the time you think you save moving to Colorado, you just spent driving to the airport. And by the way, it literally takes... Now, I've done it two ways. I've done it as a as a as someone in a normal car, and I've done it in a NFL police house escort, Raiders to the airport, everybody get out of the way. It still takes almost an hour. All right, really the, the big news about baseball going on right now Is MLB and the Players Association, which I think this is really cool, by the way. The fact that our sport is evolving and our sport is recognizing that, you know, you can make change and you can do what's best for the game. And that our sport can do it on the fly. They can negotiate. They can come together. Was there a delay? Yeah. But they got it done like we said it would get done. Well, we said it privately. We weren't on the air. But Cody and I were saying, to each, don't worry, it's going to get done. But look, MLB and the Players Association have reached a tentative agreement to expand the rosters from 26 to 28 through May 1st to compensate for some of the uh, issues that you're going to have, like going to Toronto, right now going to New York. With vaccinations is going to be an issue. Uh, With a shortened spring training, going to be an issue. So the owners still have to ratify this. But the new rules, like the Shohei Ohtani rule is great. Shohei Ohtani can pitch, and now they can take him out of the game, and he can remain in as a DH. This is going to promote more two-way players. Thumbs up on that. That's good for the game. Shohei Otani's the the MVP. If he goes out and has a rough outing for, let's say he goes out and has a rough outing for three and a half innings, and you take him out, and now he can't play anymore, and he's one of the most dynamic players the game's ever seen, is that good for business? For all these little kids, kids love Shohei Shohei Otani. I love Shohei Otani. I hate the Angels. But I love watching him play because he's a freak. You want him to come out of the game? Because that's the rules. No, change the rules. Keep that dude in the game. Because when he plays, people around the globe watch. When he pitches on a YouTube game, millions watch. He's must-see TV. A guy that is as talented as he is as a pitcher And as talented as he is as a hitter, I got to watch that, baby. Change that damn rule. That rule's archaic, and it's stupid. And what'd they do? They changed it. Good for baseball. And coming up next, the most controversial rule. You may hate it. I love it. One of the greatest inventions and ideas in the history of mankind is starting the runner on second base for extra innings. Now, you may not agree because it's not what traditionally happened because you are the type of person that still wants to have nine-inning doubleheaders when the average game is – what is it, Cody, the average game?
3: What, three hours and – was it three hours and six minutes last year?
4: Okay, so that's six hours and 12 minutes of baseball. By the way, how much time in between the games –
3: what was it 35, 30 to 45 minutes, something like that?
4: So now we're talking about between the first pitch and the last pitch, around seven hours. That's not counting drive to the game. That not counting. You got to drive. Home. So you're looking at essentially eight-hour day of nine-inning doubleheaders. Doesn't that sound like fun?
3: You're forgetting pre- and post-game as well.
4: No, no, no. I'm just as a fan. You're talking about just the game. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That sounds like fun. Eight hours. We're going to do eight hours of baseball. And you, traditional baseball fan, you'll be like, "That's the greatest thing, and that's the way it should be. Yeah, let me call my teenagers on the phone. We're 16. Hey, you want to go to the Coliseum for eight hours? You're down for that, right, kids? You're 16 years old. You got your cell phones. You want to hang out at the Coliseum for seven to eight hours straight? What do you think my kids would say? Absolutely not. Yeah, but the, the the 12 people out in the outfield will tell you how great it is. Well, that's not good for business. And this whole anti-starting the runner on second because that's not what always happened when you were a kid, I got to tell you, yes, I am being selfish on this, but I can prove to you it's good for business. It's good for the business of baseball. Not one person, not one. I don't care. I don't, I don't care from the commissioner's office. I don't care to our very traditional broadcasters, Ken and Vince. I don't care any team. No one can show me any data that says extra inning long games is good. You can't show me from the attendance in the stands. You can't show me from data with television ratings. You can't show me data in radio ratings. You can't show me data from streaming ratings. Everything sinks to the bottom of the ocean. The longer these games go, the later they go at night, you essentially are playing to a handful of people. But yet, everybody tells you how great it is. Well, if it was that great, I remember when, like, American Idol came out. Remember when American Idol was getting, like, 23 million to 25 million people to watch per episode? That was back when Kelly
3: Clarkson was a star.
4: And, right. Uh, what's her, uh, uh, whoever else?
3: Clay Aiken. And no uh,
4: uh, the blonde. What's her name? She's beautiful. Oh, She's Carrie great. Underwood. Carrie Underwood. When Carrie Underwood was up there singing and R- Rupert Stoddard was another winner. Rupert. Rupert. Stuttard, Stoddard. Stuttard,
3: uh, God. Then there was a bunch of people that never did anything like Taylor Hicks and. Uh, see, yeah, I don't even remember them. They were they are like after like Clay Aiken and all those. Uh, I else. just remember the early ones. I just remember Daughtry like being the biggest one, and he didn't even Daughtry He didn't even win. He didn't even come in like the top three. But
4: he's making money now.
3: Yeah, he probably he might have had the best career behind Kelly
4: Clarkson and Carrie Underwood. Uh, Carrie Underwood's king. She's made. She's a she's a uh, she's a powerhouse brand, and so is Carol, Kelly Clarkson. She's got a Kelly Clarkson has that talk da- show, right? I've talk seen show, commercials yeah. for it. Obviously, I'm nuts. I'm not that part of the demographic, but I have seen the – good for her. Parlay that. My point is that was successful, and the data show that it was successful. And that's why Simon Cowell and everybody made all that money. It's because they had 23 to 25 million people. They would watch the show the next night. My wife's calling in and voting, and I, there's data, right? When all of you guys like to be on Netflix – when you like to be on Hulu, whatever you like to be on, they're tracking what you're watching. So they know on Apple TV that a boatload of people watch Ted Lasso because they have the data. Narcos was a huge success. They have the data. Extra inning baseball games, eh, no data because no one's there watching. So thank you, Major League Baseball, and I hope they do it for a long time because it allows the games to get over. There's instant action. We're not going to the 16th inning. It's not 2.30 in the morning. There's instant action, and we got the we got to see the very first guy ever do it. Remember, when there's you're playing some type of uh, trivia game, they say, who was the first runner on second ever? It was
3: Shohei Otani. It was a great play too at the turn to double play on that. Matt Olson. Or was it a double play? But I remember they No, it was, it was
4: Matt Olson got the ground ball through to the third, third to yeah. Chapman. Yeah. Now how the rest of it worked out, I don't know who they threw to and got him out, but that was the first ever. I think the rule's great. It puts instant action. It gets us over in 10, 11, at most what, twelve innings. I don't know what the longest game is since that rule was implemented, but I mean to me, I know. I know people say they hate it, but how many people actually do stay up and watch the games? Because the data says it's not a lot of you. So, if the if if the if if the numbers stayed the same, I would have no argument. Hell, if the numbers went up, what if all of a sudden there was a blast on? Instagram and TikTok and and Facebook and Twitter from the A's account saying, we're going into extra innings. And everybody went, oh, my God, this is great. And then everybody came to extra innings. I would have no argument. We could sell extra innings packages. Extra innings is brought to you by Kaiser Permanente. But since extra innings goes into the tank, like the Titanic, it goes to the bottom of the sea. Chevron doesn't want to sponsor extra innings. I think the rule is fabulous. And like I said, it's one of the great inventions in the history of mankind. Agree Uh, or disagree.
3: I I like it, too. And I looked up the the question. You said you don't know what the longest game was. Prior to to this game, the longest was 13 innings. But last year in August, the Dodgers and Padres went 16 innings, and that was the longest game as the Dodgers won 5-3 thanks to an A.J. Pollock home run in the top of the 16th inning against not my
4: Padres, not your Padres. Ted Leitner's Leitner's Padres. Friend of the program, Teddy Ball game. Uh, I don't know if you have it there. Does it have the time of the game? No, but I'm sure I could find that. I mean, it's got to be four and a half, five hours. For 16 innings, you, you essentially played two games. And the Red Sox and Yankees are still playing
3: a nine inning game in that amount of time. Uh, let's see. If, let me see if it has it on the box score here. Should at the
4: bottom. I mean, sixteen innings. I mean, doesn't everybody have to go to work the next day? Don't kids got to go to school the next day? I mean, unless it's a Saturday or a Sunday, but you can pretty much say bye bye to that. If it's Saturday, you can say bye bye to your Sunday.
3: It doesn't have it on ESPN's box score, but I know MLB will have it, so just give me a second. I'll find it.
4: So I think I, I love that rule. I I, I I think it's, in the end, it's better for baseball, and it's one of those rules that you may not like it at first, but you just don't really notice these rules all that much once you start playing the games, right? When they expanded the roster from 25 to 26, did that cha- really change anything for you? When they said that a pitcher has to face three batters, did that really change the excitement or the what you enjoy about baseball? Did that change it? I don't think so. I hardly notice it. I watch every game. You don't really notice it. You just get back into the groove of watching it. The extra innings rule just kind of... Just kind of, you know, I got used to a guy being out there on second. I was thrilled to death when the game was over after 10. Do you have it now? I see. Yeah, I do. Five hours and 49 minutes. How many of you really want to sit there for five hours and 49 minutes? What what day of the week was it? Wednesday. Wednesday, August 25th, 2021. Five hours and 49 minutes on a Wednesday night. You, you, you're basically punting your Thursday no matter what your job is. And how about if the next day is a day game? Well, if it's a Thursday getaway day game. Oh, my God.
3: Oh, my God. It wasn't. It started at six ten in San Diego. So it was. Oh. It was a night game, but a little earlier than normal because, what, their the, Padres games just started at 6-40
4: also. I, I've actually loved that, how teams are – I remember we were in Cleveland a couple of years ago, and Cleveland started earlier. I was like, why yeah, why are most people doing this?
3: I think the Mariners still start at 7.05 or whatever. And see- Dude, Dodgers still start at 7.30. I'm
4: like, if you're a kid and they're playing three-hour games, I mean, how many kids are – got to go to school the next day. How are you going to games?
3: Yeah, the pot, that game started at 7.10, the 16-inning game, and then the next day started at 6.10, so they started at an hour early. Oh, my
4: God. That is um – That is – I mean, it it really is unbelievable. Uh, I mean – Now,
3: remember, that rule is only in effect for this year.
4: Well, you know what? Here's what's really good about that, Cody, is we're learning that they now understand they can make changes when they want. And what do they have, 45 days to do it? Uh, That's the rules – yeah,
3: that's like the rules change, like the bigger bases and shift limiting and the –
4: They can do er whatever – you know what? That, Pitch clock. You know what? They can do whatever they want. That's the great thing. Is like now they're like experiencing, you know, because once you once you do that dance, it's like once you kiss for the first time, right? You know, when you start dating somebody and you kiss them for the first time, after that you start kissing all the time. So now that they've done this, hey, we can change the rules. You cool with it? Yeah, I'm cool with it. What's best for the game? Okay. Now, all right. Now you can start really delving into what's best. You know who's been good at that, by the way? And you'd probably know more than me about it. But um, changing stuff in and out and changing stuff over the years and letting it breathe a little bit, hockey. Hockey's done a really good job over the years of saying, let's try this. And they gave it time. If it worked, they kept it. If not, they they booted it. But they gave it time to see if it's going to work or not. Glenn Kuiper, how are you, Glenn?
1: Hi, Tommy. Good to see you, buddy. How are you?
4: are you? Are you're down at spring training? That's what I heard on the radio broadcast. Correct. I was. Uh, came back
1: yesterday. We were, or I was there from uh, Tuesday to Sunday last week. So um, back in the Bay Area, but then going back the next two weekends to uh, do some TV and radio work. So looking forward to that.
4: You know, before we, we get into our, our usual shenanigans, just, you know, obviously your longtime partner and I, I know the love that you have for Ray and what, you know, we've talked so much about what he meant to the organization. Just, you know, what was it like going down to spring training? It's just obviously it's going to be sad, a little uncomfortable, Just but just what was it like?
1: Yeah, you know what? It, it, it is. It, 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 it's been hard. Um, And I knew spring training would be strange because that's when you, you know, when you first saw him getting ready for the season and he was always there. And, you know, then he's not there. Um, So, yeah, I thought a lot about it. Um, It'll be hard during the season. You know, I mean, I saw him every day. Um, Sat next to him every day. Sat next to him on the plane. Sat next to him on the bus. Um, So, yeah, it's just going to be one of those years where there's going to be times where Um, you know, you're gonna get a little emotional maybe, or just have some thoughts to yourself about it. But he will be missed. Um, you know, one of the hardest things that I've kind of thought about with the with what happened to Ray was, you know, we just didn't really get a chance to. I didn't really get a chance to to you know say goodbye to him or talk to him at the end. You know, he had a tough night at the Coliseum where he just was not doing very good in the beginning of August and you know, the ambulance came and they took him out of there. And that's the last time I saw him. Um, you know, so that's that's been hard. That, that's something that has sort of stuck with me that, you know, I just, you know, this is, you know, my broadcast partner for 18 years and I really didn't get a chance to, to say goodbye to him. You know, so, but that doesn't mean we're not gonna, um, we're gonna talk about Ray. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna honor Ray all year long. And it's well-deserved because he he was an A through and through, man. And uh, he was a special guy, and he he will be missed. He's got a big place in my heart um, forever. Um, But, you know, life goes on. Baseball goes on. But, man, we're going to miss him a lot. There's no doubt about it.
4: And one thing that he loved is he loved the young players. He loved communicating with the young guys and talking shop with the young guys. You got to see some. You're going to be back there. So just kind of give us the vibe uh, first couple of days of what games look like down in the Cactus League.
1: Well, listen, I mean, it's, it's always hard at the beginning of spring training, even though this year it's a shortened spring training. But you know, the first couple of weeks are hard. There's just you, you want to see the, the the guys that are going to be on the team, but you also realize that it's a chance to, to check out younger players as well. So, you, you, that's just the way it is the first couple of weeks. Um, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of new faces in the clubhouse. I mean, there's, there's a lot of nameplates up there that you don't fully recognize. It's like that in most parks, but you know, you, there's trades that were made. You get a lot of younger players and some of them are in big league camp. Um, you know, so it's just, it's a tough way to evaluate. It's, it's always been a joke in my town where you go to spring training the first couple of weeks and you come back home and you have, Sands go hey how does the team look I'm like honestly I don't know I don't know because you know I didn't see you know Andrus playing and and you know Laureano and that kind of thing so um it's it's an interesting time for the A's and listen we are going to see some young guys that's just the reality of it but it's going to take us a while to kind of get to know all these guys and you know see what they're all about
4: well just to give you an idea right now we're watching the Angels and the Royals on MLB uh, <laughs> network and the defensive end for the Royals number 90 just struck out 90 There you go There you go <laughs> That's right
1: that uniform number is not going to make it to opening day I don't think
4: It's it's so odd to look at you. like that guy's really like He's wearing 90, so always uh, always interesting. Uh, you know, one thing that I'm kind of chapped about today, and I guess it's been brewing in me, and now that we're going to see some guys leave and whether you consider it taking shots or not at the organization, it's, it's like everybody's forgetting that this group of, of players – just just had four straight seasons over 500. just had four straight seasons where they almost made the playoffs. They made the playoffs three out of four years and their bad year was 86 wins. and they're heading to new organizations. I'm not talking about Matt Olson, but I look at like Chapman. I look at Melvin. They're heading to organizations that haven't really won anything in a long, long time. and everybody's acting like the grass is greener, but let's not forget. Glenn most players will never play on a team that goes to the playoffs three straight years or even have the four year run uh that uh that these guys had. I mean, you lived it as a kid with Ray and your brother in Cleveland. They never went to the playoffs three straight years or had four really good years.
1: No, absolutely. I think it says a lot about you know the quality that the team has been the last three four years. And and I and I you know, I think if this team would have stuck together this year, I think they would have had a chance to be a postseason team again this year because the starting rotation, pretty good. Um, if you would have kept Bassett and uh, you know the, the offense, there's there's enough good offensive players, but that that was not uh, what, what what the plan was. And and yeah, but I think it does say a lot about about how good this team was. Um, and, and you know, I, I tell people, Townie, and and you know it too, is if you look at the A's history. If you, if you go on, you know, some of the websites that I go to, you know, roster resource or, you know, all those that, that show what the teams have done over the years. If you just look at the history of the A's in Oakland, starting in 1968, it is extremely consistent. Three, four, five good years, three, four down years. It just goes, it goes almost in four or five year increments. Good. Bad, good, bad, all the way through. All the way through up until last year. Um, it's almost remarkable how consistent it is um with good stretch, and then you rebuild a little bit. Um, so none of us are surprised by this, but it doesn't make it easier. And I know it's hard for the fans. I, I understand. Um and then there's there's uncertainty, you know, with the ballpark and, and that type of thing. So it's not an easy time right now for the athletics organization because they have a lot of stuff going on. Um, But but that doesn't mean that you can't look ahead to the future and think of, you know, there could be a lot of good things going on with, with an influx to your minor league system. Hopefully the stadium situation, you know, continues to move forward in the right direction. Um, You know, and that's just the way we have to look at it. It's not always easy, but that's sort of the reality of it.
4: When you think about Mark Kotze and him being around, he has the trust of the organization because of this long relationship with with Billy and David. And then you think about as a player, and then, of course, them bringing him back, and he really considers himself – in Oakland A, and he carries that cachet of a former player and then as a coach with a lot of these young guys and, you know, the knowledge that he has of the organization, the relationship that he has with the fellow coaches and managers in the minor leagues, and then now being around the big club for years and gaining that respect, It that, doesn't it seem like to you he just he seems like the perfect fit for where this organization is right now?
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. you know, I think he was their ace first choice all along. He's a great guy. I mean, this is an A one plus guy here. Um and he's gonna do he's gonna be a good manager. He'll have some some you know, there's gonna be a learning curve. I think it helps that he'll have Brad Osmus as his bench coach. Osmus has managed in the big leagues. I think that's important. But yeah, and I, we were we had an ace party on Friday night and David Forrest was on our panel as was Dave Cavill and Mark Kotze and you know David said that he said listen this this courtship of Mark Kotze you know where we've always liked him and he's always liked the organization he's always wanted to be a manager and he said this has been going on for 15 years so so none of us are real surprised that Kotze is the manager Um, and I think it's a great choice it it, it's you know he's got a lot to handle right now in his first year as a manager with with the trading of popular players also players that are regulars um, and it's a short and spring training and so he's got a lot going on uh, but he's going to be fine he's going to be fine and uh, to be able to go from bob melvin for what 10 11 years all the success that bob had and then you hand it over to a guy like mark Cotze, even though he's a first-time manager um, I, I think it's great for the organization now and into the future because he's going to be a good manager for a long time.
4: So earlier today, I was working on my new studio. You're going to love the new studio. We've rebuilt the Townsend studio um we're gonna have to have you down as we're gonna be doing some video stuff from there you're really gonna like it uh so we're redoing it and i'm listening to SiriusXM, xm and i'm listening to a general manager and he we're they're talking about the topics of like starting pitching and how the angels are angels are gonna go with the six-man rotation again and they start talking about well you know what the average team uses 13 starters a year and i just kind of like it stopped me in my tracks i went that's true, but my God, how's, there's not enough starting pitching to go, go around. I mean, how scary is that when you really think about it, that the average team will have 13 different guys start a game?
1: Yeah, yeah, I know, and that's sort of the way it's going now. And, and you know, the problem with that, towny is if that's the average, well, the guy's the, the the eighth ninth tenth eleventh twelfth and thirteenth guy to start probably not guys you want to have out there anyways, right? <laughs> yeah. so, so that's I mean that's just sort of a reality thing, but you do and managers will will tell you that now. General managers, man, you got to have you you almost have to have seven or eight legitimate guys, even if they're veterans that may, maybe they're in AAA and maybe they're. They're just staying ready for you, but they've started some games before. I think you have to have that now. Um, injuries, you know, watching guys, being careful with innings and all that kind of stuff. Um, but that that's also one of the reasons why, you know, like with the A's even had last year where they really ran the same five guys out there a good chunk of the season. And I thought that was great, you know, where you know who starts and you know he's going to give you a pretty good outing but those days you just don't see that so much anymore. Um, and it's funny. You see teams now that have looked like they have a decent starting rotation and all of a sudden they'll sign another guy and then another guy just to, just to have them ready and have them set to, to cover innings if, if need be. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of a, the way baseball is going now. I don't know that I necessarily like it, but, But that's the reality of it. You better have a host of starters, and you better have some guys in AAA that are ready to to come up and even make two or three starts for you just to save your main rotation, guys. Welcome to baseball nowadays, right?
4: Oh, it is just, you know, Max Scherzer today went five innings, and everybody went, oh, my God. It's like... Good for him. You you would have thought he threw a complete game.
1: Yeah. You know what, though, that that's great. I mean, that's that's what you need to do. Let's go. You know, I mean, I, I, I like it. The fact that, you know, normal spring training guys, their first outing, they'll throw one inning. Well, now they're throwing two or three, which is perfect. Um, but you know, we're not that far away, Tony. I mean, was it two and a half weeks and it's go time. So, so I think guys are accelerating their, their outings and, and you know, too, I think what's happening County is you mentioned a lot of young guys playing. I think that's common around spring training this year is I don't think you're gonna see regulars maybe playing a lot early, but maybe that last week to ten days they'll start getting after it a little bit. Doesn't mean they're not getting there at bats on backfields and that type of thing, but, but and you may see you may see veteran players, regular players maybe resting a little bit more at the beginning of the year. Too. So you know, I think that'll be something to watch. And you may, have, you may have rosters that are expanded by a player or two as well. I know that's something that is still being discussed by the players union and Major League Baseball. But I think that is going to happen, whether it be one extra guy on the roster or two extra guys for a limited period of time at the beginning of the year.
4: Is there anybody, young guy, in camp while you were down there or maybe while you're doing your work that you go – this guy in interests me. I'm really interested to see how he is going to pan out. He may not even be a guy slated to even have a shot this year at the big club, but obviously it could be something later on. Is there one name out there you're really looking at in this short spring?
1: Well, I, listen, there, there's there's a lot of new new names, obviously, and, and I think your eyes kind of go toward the guys that have been acquired in these these most recent trades. I'm looking forward to seeing the, you know, the center fielder that the A's got from the Braves Pache. You know, I, I, I saw him a little bit with the Braves on TV, but you don't think much of it, but um, he has a chance to break with the team out of spring training. And he's supposed to be like as good of a defensive outfielder as you've ever seen. I mean, we're talking 80 grade defensive outfielder, which is the absolute highest grade you can get. So we'll see with him. He may be your opening day center fielder. I don't know. But um, as far as guys that are close and have a chance to, to help the team this year, that would be the guy that I would watch the most because he does have a little bit of big league time. And remember, there's going to be an opening in center fields for, for the first month of the season because Loreano is going to be out with the suspension. So he may get a shot early on. And if he can hold his own offensively, you know, then you may slide Loriano to a corner spot or something like that. I mean, that's all down the road a little bit. But, but I am looking forward to seeing Christian Pache play center field because it's supposed to be a treat.
4: Yeah, to see a guy go get it and be young and uh, fearless yeah. is, is always, I mean, right? It's a lot of fun to watch when someone's like, I don't care. Wherever that ball goes, I'm going to do everything I can, humanly possible, to get it.
1: Yeah. And, and you know what, Tony, Too human nature is like, I want to see some of the guys that we got back in these trades. But the reality is a lot of these guys are younger, um, you know, low, low levels of the minor leagues. Um, a lot of the pitchers are low level minor leagues. They have a chance to be really good, but we may not see them for a year or two. Um but, you know, that's just kind of the way it is. You know, you trade Matt Olson, you're like, well, I want to see who we got back. But sometimes you got to be patient with that. And I think that's the case with with a good share of the pitchers that the A's got in these trades.
4: All righty, my friend. So when are you going back down?
1: Going back Saturday. We're televising uh, Sunday. I'm actually going to do a little radio this spring just just to help out a little bit. So the radio next week from today, I'm going to be doing it with uh, the great Vince Catronio. So um, it'll be a, a weekend of work in Arizona uh, starting Saturday. But looking forward to getting back there, and uh, before you know it, we'll be in Philadelphia for the opener. How about that?
4: Oh, I cannot wait. It's gonna be fantastic. <laughs> that that game on Sunday, is that a night game?
1: No. Nope. It's a uh, one o'clock game. I'm just double checking here. And uh it's against the Seattle Mariners at Hohokam Stadium in beautiful Mesa of Arizona. So that's where we'll be. So that'll be Sunday.
4: No, oh, that, but that's like on, to... in,
1: on NBC Sports California.
4: It's like today. I was trying to say, like, you know, these spring training games, it's perfect. You know, a lot of people still working from home. And, you know, I was watching Yankees, Phillies. Right now we got Angels, Royals. It's a Monday. This is what's great about spring training. Just got baseball going on during the day. You guys are going to be on on that Sunday. It's just, it's beautiful. Yeah. Did
1: Otani pitch today? I thought he was supposed to pitch today or tomorrow.
4: He's on the mound as we speak. There you go. And once again, on. and once again, he struck out number ninety.
1: Ninety's <laughs> got no chance.
4: No, yeah, ninety. I don't think we're gonna see ninety in the big leagues this year. But you know, what do I know? Probably not.
1: <laughs> All right, Tony. Hey, I can't wait to see you at the ballpark, and uh, let's talk again maybe before the season starts. All
4: right, buddy. Be well.
3: Another day is here, and you're
4: ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to say for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
3: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All
4: right. See you, Tony. Chip, are you there? Hey, I'm here. How are you guys? Great, great. We were just talking about... You know, you start to feel old when you're like Matt Ryan got traded to the Colts. You're like, God, he's been in the league for 14 years, and then Freddie Freeman's now not there. You, you guys got a lot going on in Atlanta.
0: Yeah, as long as they don't trade me, I'm in good shape. It's okay. We'll we'll get through this together. Well, <laughs> but, you uh, you yeah, you
4: gonna... can't trade a carry. The carry family is too strong. They can't. You guys are the uh... franchise.
0: Uh, well, thank you. But uh, no, it's been an eventful couple of weeks in Atlanta. But uh, look, the Falcons need to rebuild. Braves went through their rebuild about six years ago, and we'll see where it takes some ahead.
4: You know, we talk, you know, our fan base longs for a franchise player because they've never had one. I mean, going back to when the A's got here in 68 and had great success, winning three straight World Series, and later on came the Tony La Russa uh, A's that won a World Series and went th- and, and, and went to three straight. But no guy has ever just said, I'm sticking my flagpole here and stayed here their entire career. So, Ace fans have always looked for that guy. And I think about for Braves fans, I mean, you had that guy with Chipper Jones. uh, Now, obviously, with the franchise, think about someone like Hank Aaron. where No matter where the Braves were, he is Mr. Brave. But when you think about Freddie Freeman leaving, how tough was that for for the fans? You just won the World Series, and now your guy's a Dodger. Well, I guess
0: you have to look at it uh, with Freddie Freeman two different ways. Uh, One, you look at the player uh, MVP, uh, won a world series champion gold glove award winner face of the franchise. As you said, a guy that had been with the organization for 12 years, uh, you know, that part of it's hard, you know, it's hard to lose a player of that caliber, uh, but the Braves are getting a really good player in return. And I think yeah. the, the unknown factor for our fan bases, we don't see the Oakland A's very much on the East coast. So, uh, fans know that, uh, Matt Olson's from Parkview. They know he's an Atlanta kid. They know he's put up big numbers. He's also younger and less expensive, and the economics of this deal are a big part of it from the Braves' perspective as well. Uh, Then you take the other side of that argument, which is the human being. Freddie Freeman's a great guy, great husband, great father, super in the community, unbelievably good and patient with the media, as we said. Kind of like Chipper Jones and Dale Murphy and Tom Glavin, a very vocal face and voice of the franchise, and you're going to miss that. Certainly we will in the media. But as you know, the essence of our game is adapting to change because Chipper Jones doesn't play for the Braves anymore. Greg Maddox, Dale Murphy, Hank Aaron, John Schroelts isn't the GM. Bobby Cox is no longer managing the team. If you can't accept change and the time marches on with or without your favorite players, you're going to be disappointed every year. So, uh. You know, we're going to be sorry Freddie's gone. We're sorry that he and the Braves couldn't come to terms. But Alex Anthopoulos did what he had to do and did it in a very effective and great way for the Braves currently and in the future. And we wish Freddie all the best except for the six games he plays the Braves in the regular season, of course.
4: Yeah, we feel the same way about Matt Olson. You're getting a hell of a guy. And he's the one player – that I said if I had to pick an A to win an MVP coming up here in the next few years, I didn't pick Marcus Simeon. I didn't pick Matt Chapman. I picked Matt Olson because not only does he have just incredible power, obviously we saw what he did hitting against left-handed pitching last year for power, but – uh, what he is defensively, he and, and that's one thing I think you guys are going to notice, how special he is at picking the baseball, at throwing the baseball, he really, and running the bases, you guys are getting an all-around player who I agree with, younger, cheaper, but man, I think he's about to explode on the national scene, and he's going to do it as an Atlanta Brave.
0: With a defending World Series champion team that's getting Marcelo Zuna back after he missed almost all of last year and Ronald Acuna Jr. back after missing half the season. So coming to Atlanta, all those accolades you uh, uh, presented for Matt are things that if he just does that with the team around him, he's not going to have to be the guy. Which I I would assume, again, not watching the A's an awful lot last year, you know, he was kind of a guy that you put an X on him. And if you work around him, you got a pretty good chance to neutralize that team offensively. That's not going to be the case for him in Atlanta. If he has a bad day, he's got five or six guys in a really deep, good lineup. That can pick up the slack so uh, all those points you made are valid we can't wait to see him he's had a good start to spring training in his brief time with the Braves so far and uh, I think very quickly our fans in Atlanta are going to fall in love with a local kid who if he just comes in and does what he's capable of doing I think he and the Braves will be uh, just fine
4: and how about the just terrific sneaky move of Kenley Jansen for one year coming in for your bullpen
0: yeah, that was a bit of a surprise. The Braves already had a very good bullpen. Uh, I think that's because they have some questions at the back of the rotation. Charlie Morton looks to be on track to start the season in rotation. Max Freed is going to be in rotation. Ian Anderson is going to be in rotation with a caveat. He had some shoulder issues last year that were uh, part of his cautionary tale. Then you've got a fight at the back of the rotation with guys like Kyle Muller and Kyle Wright and Tukey Toussaint and others looking for the fourth and fifth job. But because of that uncertainty, you better have a deep and strong bullpen, and it's a bullpen that uh, you don't have to worry about lefty-righty splits. They get both sides out pretty equally well. Will Smith said he's cool being a setup guy. He said, quote, if it leads to another World Series and I'm not closing games, I'm fine with that. Uh, So, yeah, getting Kenley Jansen, who is the most accomplished closer of his generation, is a a great coup on a one-year deal. He dreamed of playing for the Braves as a kid growing up in Curacao. Knows Ozzy Albies, grew up watching the Braves on the Superstation and Andrew Jones. And he's excited to to be in Braves uh, colors. And we're excited to see him do his thing with that cutter-slider combination in the ninth inning in Atlanta.
4: You know, one of the fascinating things about this season – will be how National League teams really utilize their DH. And there's a lot of ways to go about it. You can have one guy who's your primary DH. You can use it as a kind of like an off day for certain guys to get some at-bats. Or if you got someone hurt like Acuna, who's coming back, maybe he's not ready to play in the outfield, But, man, at least at some point early on, stick him as DH to get that back into the lineup. So, uh, how's Acuna doing, and and what do you see his role as uh, early on in the season?
0: Well, I think that depends on what the trainers say. Ronald's been hitting bombs in in batting practice, but I'm sure they're going to bring him close, uh, bring him back somewhat slowly after the ACL tear because, as you said, they can't risk losing him again. Uh, But, you know, in the National League, you know, It's going to be a different game. You know, the old saying, oh, if you have the DH in the National League, that's going to be a big payday for a lot of guys making 9, 10, 12, 15 million dollars. That's not the case anymore. I think with the Braves, you're going to see those at-bats spread around. As you said, Olsen could DH. Ozuna could DH. Acuna could DH to start the year. If you want to get Austin Riley off his feet, you can keep his bat in the lineup and get him away from third base. I think that that's going to be a really, really good thing for National League players who aren't used to that. And of course, some guys, do the dh job well some hate it but my take on it was as a national league traditionalist i hated the dh but watching mike Fultonevich try to hit convinced me that we <laughs> desperately need it in the national league and thankfully it's here so I think you're going to see those at-bats spread around with a multitude of guys in Atlanta, and Brian Snicker will be able to play the hot hand knowing he's going to have five or six bench bats at his disposal on any given day.
4: Yeah, I, you, you know they were talking about Max Scherzer and no DH, and you're like, Max Scherzer was like 0 for 59 last year, and do I need to see him bunt off his face again in practice?
0: Well, all I know is this. Max Scherzer beat the Braves a couple of years ago with an infield base hit uh, while he was playing with the Washington Nationals. So any pitcher that does that, I say get a regular player in there so they can strike out try to launch the <laughs> ball out of the ballpark. So, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm not a fan of, of the uh, three-outcome style of game, but that's what we've got. And if there's more offense and there's a chance for more action as opposed to watching pitchers try to hit, I think uh, you've got to adapt or die, and I applaud the baseball's moved in that direction.
4: So the division is interesting, obviously, with the Mets going to be spending some money and and they're going for it, Uh, looking at the Philly signings. So how do you kind of handicap the National League East right now?
0: Well, the Braves are the team to beat because they've won the division the last four years and they've got a World Series ring that they'll be getting in a couple of weeks. So that's number one. But number two, uh, the Mets are going to be very good. If DeGrom is healthy, any team that has Jacob DeGrom is a big threat. Uh, You had Scherzer, you had Taiwan Walker, those guys – are really, really accomplished pitchers. Uh, You know, they've upgraded things in New York. Buck Showalter's going to bring an edge and try to, uh, shall we say, reinvent the culture in Mets colors. He's a terrific tactical manager. He's a no-nonsense guy who's going to straighten out some things there. That's number two. And number three, the Philadelphia Phillies. They've got Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler. That's really good. They're going to have a really good offensive ball club. I don't know if they're going to be able to catch a cold or not, but I think Dave Dombrowski's betting on the fact that that group uh, one through nine offensively is going to drive in more than they're going to let in. We'll see if that's the case. But as of now, it looks like it's going to be a three team race in the east. The Marlins with a really good pitching staff aren't ready for prime time yet. And I'm not sure that the Washington Nationals have put enough around Juan Soto for them to really be a consideration in the race. But I do know this as uh, evenly matched as the Braves and the Phillies and the Mets appear to be. The path to the division historically has been you've got to beat the weak sisters in the East if you're going to win it. That means when you play the Marlins, you'd better have a good year against them. And if the Nationals are down, you'd better have a good year against them. Because if you don't, one of those other clubs is going to and you'll be ending up looking up at them when it comes to uh, time to hand out a division title.
4: You know, repeating is just something we haven't seen a whole heck of a lot. The Giants had their interesting run of win, not win, win, not win, win, but really you got to go back to, I guess, the Yankees. Last time we saw a yeah, re-
0: twenty-one years,
4: yeah, like, twenty-one years. Why do you think? And, and what do you think about that challenge for the Braves? Is they're now? It's now their opportunity.
0: Well, because I think that's the great beauty of baseball. Any team can beat any other team on any given day. Look, the Baltimore Orioles can throw John Means at you, and he can give you a hell of a performance, and they can beat you. Uh, You know, uh, they've got some talent on that club, even though they uh, really struggled in the second division last year. If you run into them at the wrong time, you know, they can put a dent in your season. Um, I think that's what makes our sport so, so much fun. It's not like watching the 16th seed play the number one in the NCAA tournament where 96% of the time the number one team wins. That's not baseball. There are too many games and too many variables. And that's uh, the same as uh, when it comes to our sport, especially at the trading deadline. Look, last year, nobody gave the Braves a chance to do much of anything, much less win the division of the World Series. But Alex Anthopoulos went out, got Eddie Rosario off the scrap heap. He got Jorge Soler from Kansas City. He wasn't being utilized there. Made a couple of moves in the bullpen, and all of a sudden the Braves won- played 667 baseball over the last two months got hot, beat the Brewers on the Freeman home run against Josh Hader and never looked back. That's the magic of baseball. That's why it's so hard because the Braves entered the playoffs last year with the fewest number of wins of any playoff uh, uh, team that made it, yet they were the ones that won the last game they played. And that's what we love about it. That's what makes it so fun, and that's why we all can't wait to get started on April the 7th.
4: Yeah, I mean, wouldn't you say one of the key things, and we'll end on this, one of the key things about the Atlanta Braves is a lot of shrewd moves, and it may not always be something that the fan base loves or the media loves, but, you know, you got to make some tough moves uh, depending on, obviously, how much you want to spend or what you want to do with players, but shrewd moves work in this game, and the Braves have been very good at that.
0: They have been. Alex Anthopoulos and his staff do a terrific job, and that's why general managers get paid what they are paid. We can second guess them all they want, but they're the people that have been given the keys to the organization, and you have to entrust that they are going to do what they think is best for the organization. Over time, it may be proven wrong, but they have to operate that way, and Alex does that. They are paid a lot of money to make very difficult decisions, like the one Alex made a couple of weeks ago with Freddie Freeman. That wasn't easy on any level, but ultimately, he had the, shall we say, stones to do what he thought was right and let a franchise icon walk out the door but in the next breath was able to replace him and not only replace him, strengthen the ball club in his absence. That's not easy to do in this day and age. And I think Alex Anthopoulos deserves a ton of credit for being able to pull that off.
4: Well, we really enjoyed the run last year with the Braves. Obviously, some former A's around there that came on this program. Walt Weiss was coming on. Our good friend Ron Washington. And it, we, we had a lot of fun. And now we'll be rooting for Matt Olson, too. So we'll be uh, we'll be rooting for you guys. And by the way, the Carry franchise, you can't trade a Carry. That's not possible.
0: <laughs> well, you know, my grandfather was an Oakland A broadcaster yes? for one year. I don't think he liked the color Kelly green. I think he was colorblind. So that might've cost him with Charlie (laughs) Finley. So then he went on his way to the white Sox. but uh, you guys have a a good thing going. Mark Kotze, former brave, your manager. He's a great human being, wonderful family. And I think he's going to be a great success for you. And we wish the A's all the best, except of course, when we play you guys later on this summer.
4: Well, enjoy the rest of spring training and the start of the year. And let's talk soon. I would look forward to it. Thanks for having me on. Take care. The great Chip Carey from the Carey family. His dad, longtime broadcaster for the Braves. Obviously, Harry, his grandfather, was the man. Dom, how are you? Hey, Tony, How's it going? We are living the dream. How is Arizona?
2: It's hot today. It's in the 90s, but a breath of a wind. It's just gorgeous to be back home.
4: Yeah, for you, I know, the, the, this moment, we talk about it, and, you know, at first it was, it was like, wow, father and son doing it. Now you've done it for a couple of years, and you'll do it a, a couple of times this spring. But I just got to think for your mom, your dad, a, a, and for you. I mean, you grew up idolizing your dad. You grew up watching him and listening to him, that these moments are always very special for the entire family.
2: It's exactly that you know mom tunes in we hear from folks that we haven't heard from in a while and everyone knows it's you know it's coming every spring now This is the fifth straight year we've done it it's it's always always amazing to do I'm especially grateful to do it and be back with the A's you know given the last two years have been for me so I'm, I'm just grateful that folks enjoy us enough to have us do what we'll do today and we'll also do Sunday as well against the Mariners
4: so it's starting to warm up down there
2: huh? No kidding. Harder to pitch down here in spring training with less than two weeks to go. But it's still absolutely perfect baseball, perfect baseball weather. No complaints at all from me.
4: So tell us what you are doing now during the season. Are, are you, You're working around the Brewers?
2: That's correct. So I'm with the, uh, the Brewers Valley Sports Wisconsin as their lead researcher and statistician for Jeff Levering, Brian Anderson, Bill Schroeder, and Sophia minutes crew. Uh, they are amazing people. Uh, I'm so grateful that they welcomed me in last season. I also help out with Turner Sports, uh, helping them do stats and research for their national games. That'll be on Tuesdays this season with Brian Anderson and Don Orsolo and so, and such. So uh, I've become the, the nerd in the back of the booth in these last two years, uh, given, you know, minor league baseball was canceled in 2020. Uh, I was uh, unfortunately left on the cutting room floor in 2021 for my post in Corpus Christi and had to pivot last year, and and here we are now. So it's the next best thing, and I'm grateful for every moment.
4: You know, we we were just talking about the Rays not too long ago with one of their broadcasters, and it'll be great to talk to you about that with the Brewers, is that, you know, the Brewers going into the season are kind of a a little bit of a forgotten team, but uh, Craig Council and the boys know how to win games. I think the Brewers are scary.
2: They're terrifying, if you ask the rest of the National League, and I know a lot of folks don't want to give Milwaukee credit for being a small market and things like that. That's, I mean, everyone wants to talk about the Mets being the best pitching staff because they got Chris Bassett. No, the, the, the Brewers top to bottom is the best pitching staff in baseball. There are numbers to back that up. There is eye test to back that up. I am still trying to find a better pitching staff top to bottom in all of baseball than what the Brewers have coming this year. It's absolutely insane what they have going on.
4: We've got stuff out there now that we can't even research. Cody and I, earlier today, we were looking. I can't remember what the article. Our buddy Eno Siris came out with this article. I get barrel rate, but then he was using this thing called reach rate. Both both Cody and I were on our computers trying to investigate what the hell is reach rate and what is Eno Siris talking about, and nowhere could we find a definition. We could just find Eno on a podcast mentioning reach rate and no definition. So now that you're doing all this behind, how much have you learned and how much stuff is out there that teams
2: are using that we've got no clue what they're doing? So just to give you a quick synopsis, reach rate's a great stat. It's just basically saying a guy doesn't chase and he's not swinging at balls. That's the whole point of reach rate. It's the amount of times that they swing at a pitch outside of the zone. That's reach rate because you've heard of swing rate and things like that. So it's basically saying, Here's the percentage of pitches that he's swinging that are outside of the zone. You obviously want that. But how do we define? How do
4: ha- I'm just asking. It's almost like I want to have you as as, as I could have like an ass Dom versus actually googling this stuff. Make it really <laughs> easy. Like how do we design? How do we decide what the zone is?
2: That's thanks to Statcast and thanks to Hawkeye and things like that. Okay, so, so it's what we they have, say. You know, it's, we it's, have the shadow of the zone and things like that.
4: So, so whatever whatever Statcast says, because each player, obviously, Altuve and Judge are two different sizes. Whatever they say, those guys' zones are. That's what you calculate it from.
2: Exactly, right. it, it varies, but it, at the same time, it's still very, very close to what a uniform zone looks like you don't get to get you don't have to get lost in the sauce here townie it's it's not too much i know there's a lot of words and a lot of numbers being thrown out at you but it's a it's just new ways to quantify what we always felt you know reach rate is in particular is just saying hey he knows the zone well he knows when to swing and when he's maybe a little more passive than others that's what you know it's just quantifying what was previously unquantifiable
4: yeah, I'm at the guy that rather be out in the restaurant and you just bring the sauce onto the meal for me and I'll eat it. I'll let the guys <laughs> in the back deal that kind of stuff. But you, now that you're doing a lot of that, just tell the fans what it's like as a guy that did play-by-play, you grew up around the game, you grew up playing, you love it, what you're learning with all the different stuff because there's always new metrics and new data that's being developed.
2: Well, what I'm doing is trying to make the broadcast a little more informative, right? So with Brian Anderson and Bill Schroeder and, and Jeff Levering, you know, they're, they're pros. They, they know exactly what they're doing. They do their own prep and things like that. But if there's something I can find that can spice things up, but kind of like to your point, I don't want to get lost in the alphabet soup of all of these rate stats and things like that. There's a time and place for that, but maybe not trying to squeeze it in on a 1-1 pitch, you know, in the middle of June. So it's just finding ways and finding proper times to, to get it into a broadcast, and it's up to B.A. and Rock to actually use it. But if I find myself writing a note for them that is a little too convoluted or a little like I have to explain it and I'm not even understanding, I, I scratch it up and try to start over and try to simplify it as much as possible. That's the whole goal of all of this.
4: Now, I'm not going to ask you to be the general manager of the Brewers, but I will say this. Hater may be the most... Talked about traded guy never to get traded in the history of baseball. I If not, he's at least top five. This guy has been traded a bazillion times, but yet last time I checked, he's still on the Brewers.
2: He's still with the Brewers. I mean, remember, the crazy thing is that he was originally signed by Baltimore, then traded to Houston, and then sent from Houston to Milwaukee in what's looking like a really lopsided trade these days as far as Carlos Gomez and Mike Fires. Uh, They got back Adrian Hauser, who's in their starting rotation, as well as Brett Phillips, who they flipped for Zach Davies, who they flipped for Luis Arias. I I think the reason that everyone talks about Josh Hader being traded is the fact that, yes, he's already been traded twice, but they're so used to it with Milwaukee trading their stars. It's kind of like an A situation of the National League. But let's be honest. The Milwaukee Brewers are a legitimate World Series contender, not just National League Central. They're a legitimate World Series contender, and you're not going to trade – the best closer in baseball, and yes, he is the best closer in baseball. One step ahead of Liam Hendricks, in order to make it to the World Series, you know he is the reason you're going to get to the World Series. And Hater's going to be a huge part of their future.
4: And Williams with that changeup, man, that changeup is. And we'll see him today. <laughs> that changeup is just an—it's uh, it, absolutely incredible. And you know, j- just kind of looking at the te- depth chart, I mean, it's going to be—you know—let's see when McCutcheon's out there with Lorenzo Kane. It's going to be cool to see that.
2: Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, the guys that have just kept on going, got back on the saddle. McCutcheon is healthy this year. He dealt with some knee issues last year coming off of uh, the shortened 2020 season when he recovered from his ACL. Uh, McCutcheon will be mostly used against lefties. So today's a really good audition for him. He's playing right field and against Irvin. So we'll see what he can do defensively here at ho But he is brought here to hit lefties because, obviously, Christian Yelich is left-handed playing left field. McCutcheon probably has more to be desired defensively, but he can still be serviceable in a corner outfield spot. He's going to be a big part of what they do offensively because it was a pretty bad offense last year until they acquired Willie Adama's who turned the tide for them and really made them one of the best teams in baseball.
4: You know, there was a couple of years there where Yelich, when he was the MVP, uh, he had some years where you're like, wow, this guy's in the conversation with trout as the best player in the game and you know signs the big contract which i think we all applauded with with Milwaukee people are like he could have got more but you're like How much more do you need? The guy's happy. He's where he wants to be. Milwaukee's a cool place. He wants to spend the rest of his career here. Just how nice would it be at still at an age, what, he's about 30 years old, to get back to having one of those years where he's hitting over 40 bombs, well over 1,000 OPS, 100-something RBIs, getting back to a 300-plus year. How nice would that be for
2: Milwaukee after making that big investment? Well, of course, Milwaukee would be happy, but I think who would be happiest is Christian Yelich because he's gone through the ringer these last two years. I mean, 2020, you can throw that out because it was such a weird year for everybody. But then last year was really shocking for him. He wasn't healthy the entire year. He had some back issues, which kind of raises a red flag. I mean, he slugged under 400 for the last two years. That is not the Christian Yelich we know. So I think for Yelich, the thing that the Brewers are banking on is maybe some folks are critical that they didn't get enough offense this offseason. Well, they're banking on Christian Yelich returning to form. The, the pre-knee injury when he fouled he fractured his kneecap on that freak foul ball in 2019, I mean, you could argue he could have been back-to-back MVP. Bellinger won the MVP in 2019 because Yelich missed those last couple of weeks, and he hasn't been the same since. Everybody's banking on him returning to form. He will still be in the two or the three-hole all season long in Craig Council's lineup card. And he does have for a little bit of protection now, too, between Willie Adamas ahead of him. You've got Hunter Renfro probably behind him. to Telez is going to get the chance to play every day. It could be really interesting to see if he can get back, not necessarily on MVP level, but somebody that is an above-average freakish hitter that he truly is.
4: You know, you just mentioned Craig Council, and we just all remember him as what a gutsy player and obviously what he did, uh, you know, with the Marlins and yeah, with the D-backs. And I know Bob Melvin and him are, are very good friends, and Melvin's you know, is so high on him and, and his character. And he's now been with the Brewers for a long time. I mean, when you think about how long he's been a manager and – He kind of goes under the radar still because when people go, hey, best manager in baseball, how many times is Craig Council the first guy mentioned? I don't know how much you know him, but obviously the people you work around know him real well. What do they say about Craig
2: Council? So I've been lucky enough to be in some of the manager meetings with him now that I'm covering the Brewers for Locked On Brewers uh, on the podcast side of things, but... Look, the dude's a baseball nerd. He's all about it. I mean, talking to Bob Melvin about Council, that he was always trying to be a manager, even when he was still playing, you know, asking questions, staying locked in with that kind of stuff. Look, I mean, he was again uh, in the top three of manager of the year last year. I mean, of course, no one's shocked that it went to Gabe Kapler after the year the Giants. had. But you can argue with the injuries that he had to navigate last year, Craig Council, certainly is a candidate again and again and again. He is, in my opinion, the best manager in the National League, having to convince folks why he's the best manager in the National League, kind of like A's fans have been doing for years with Bob Melvin. I mean, counsel is that good. And I'm intrigued to see what he does with the DH because he was so good at double switches and so good at getting his bench involved because of the National League, naturally. I wonder if he's going to become you know, a Bob Melvin type again where we all know Bob for using his bench so actively despite being in the American League. I could see council being that kind of a guy again here in 2022.
4: So take us when you were uh, not going to do play by play. Was it Aaron Hills? You went and you were working at.
2: I'm wearing their polo right now. How was that? It's awesome, man. So the way it all worked out was when I found out in February, I wasn't returning to minor league baseball. uh, I had a feeling it was coming and a mentor. of Mine is Brian Anderson with uh, the Milwaukee Brewers. And he had told me by happenstance, he needs a stats guy this year and he i'm gonna like, hey I'd, I'd be happy to do it i used to do it down here for our friend roxy bernstein uh it, it's not a really foreign to me but you know i gotta make sure i can pay my rent you know not just with the stats salary and he said well i know the guys at aaron hills because i was originally got an offer from pinehurst to caddy there i used to caddy <laughs> here in scottsdale so this all came a roundabout way of saying hey you're gonna caddy part-time at aaron hills to be my stats guy at night and uh it's been the best the amazing amazing caddy barn at aaron Hills. it's amazing sacred It's just awesome. 2017 U.S. Open. This year we're hosting the Mid-Am. We'll host the Women's U.S. Open in 2025. It is a special, special place. 100% public, 100% walking. Hopefully I can look for any A's fans that are coming by. It's just a really cool place. It's my cardio for the whole year, and I I love it so much.
4: So I I know in golf you got to help your dad and you got to give him tips. Now, when you guys do a broadcast – after it, do, do you ever have to give him, say, Dad, maybe you need to work on this. Maybe there's some things you could do. Do you ever try and help him out with his broadcast the way, you, the way you help with golf?
2: We rib each other, that's for sure. I mean, he'll he'll text me mid-broadcast sometimes about something I said, or then I'll do the same to him. And But we also help each other, too. When the minor leaguers are in the game, that's my time to shine. And then, you know, some of the obscure stories that I'm able to get in to, to text him and that kind of stuff. But. We'll rib each other a little bit, but it's nothing crazy. I, I know how lucky and how, you know, blessed I am to have him as my dad. And, you know, in this industry, it's all about who you know and the fact that, you know, it's not only who I know, but it's blood to have him in my corner. I'm, I'm so grateful. And I'm crazy enough to get into this industry. It's all because of great. And, and my dad's at the top of that list, obviously. Well,
4: it's just always so much fun to listen because I know how much it really, you know, we talk about your mom means everything. I know it means everything to you, but, I mean, I can't tell you how many times your dad would be listening to you no matter what you were doing, whether it was stuff uh, around the country and how proud he is of you. And I, I know it's a really special moment for him every
2: single time he does it. It's special for both of us. You know, the first time we did it, we would be fighting back tears the first couple of years. And now it's become a little more normal, a little more routine. But it is still fun when when he tosses to me. Uh, you know, for the third inning, and he says, here's Dominus. And, so, and I go, thanks, Dad. You know, that's, that's the coolest moment for me, in my opinion.
4: By the way, I'm on Aaron Hills' website right now. The course, I remember, I remember what, Kepka won
2: there, right? Yes, he did. That's where he got his first major.
4: And I'm, like, sitting here watching it going, oh, amazing. But the problem is for us in baseball season, when does it close down?
2: Yeah, that's the problem. So we closed first week of October this year. We opened first week of May. We do have winter in Milwaukee for obvious reasons. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's, it's pretty crazy awesome, man. I mean, Justin Thomas shot the course record during that U.S. Open of 63. Go find the three-wood that he hit on the 18th hole on that Saturday. Best shot ever, perhaps, on those grounds. Uh, it's it's a really, really cool spot. And the cool thing about Aaron Hills is that it's all natural, right? It's not, it's not whistling straights. And it's not a knock on whistling straights that Pete Dye – constructed this course from a flat you know airplane hangar aaron hills that's all glacial movement and hills and everything it's it's kind of amazing that's how they found it in nature and they fit a golf course on it
4: yeah all you gotta do is go to aaronhills.com and they have a a a flyover of the golf course and really no trees and it's just uh looks absolutely beautiful so maybe not this year maybe it's like one of those where your dad and i uh we play hooky during the season and come meet you out there for a couple days
2: well, I brought dad out during the all-star break last year It was me, him, Jeff Levering and Brian Anderson. We played Aaron Hills on a perfect, you know, afternoon during the all-star break and getting to see, you know, finally getting to return the favor. He's gotten me on some amazing places over the years and, you know, finally being able to say, hey, this is where I work. And, you know, you don't got to pull out your wallet or anything like that. That was that was really cool. And it's a special place. It's beautiful. It's quiet. It's in the middle of nowhere, just outside of Milwaukee. It's a perfect golf course a perfect resort and it's a little hidden golf mecca i'm telling you wisconsin 10 top 100 public courses in america more than any other state so if you're planning a golf trip come on up to wisconsin and i'll look for you at aaron hills
4: Uh, a little secret dom is a stick what is your best score out there
2: I once shot 71 or 73 there, which is one over par from the (laughs) one back. That's the blue tee. So about 7,000 yards. (laughs) Luckily, it was no wind at all that day. That's the only reason I shot 73.
4: Hey, 73, 73, my friend. Have a great broadcast. We'll talk to you soon. Enjoy today with your dad.
2: Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Cody. See you guys soon. And thanks to everyone for tuning in.
4: Sometimes it's great to reunite, sometimes it's phenomenal to bring someone. Back to the family. And I know for our fan base, there are certain players that have played here that it's just not you, you, you respect them as a player, you respect them as a man, you respect them as what they did for a lot of the fans, and one of those guys who will always be on the list, and he's back is Steven Vogt, Steven Chris Townsend, with you here on A's Cast Live? Uh, what great news to have you back and welcome back to the Oakland A's.
5: Well oh, thank you, Tony. I appreciate it, man. It's, uh, I'm so I'm so excited to be back. I'm honored to be back. Um, just yeah, my family and I could not be more excited right now.
4: You know, I was thinking about when a deal like this goes down, and you know, normally an agent calls a team and that, but I'm like. This this runs so much deeper. Your relationship with with Billy and David and this organization and this coaching staff and everything that you know and how much everybody loves you. What was this like getting you back with the A's? Uh,
5: I mean, it was it was pretty pretty seamless, actually. You know, I I, I I don't really enjoy the business side of this of this game. Let's put it that way. So. Um, you know, David and my agent got together and it came together pretty quickly. It didn't take too long. I mean, I, I made it clear that, you know, I want to be back. I want to come back to this place. I want to be here. Um, want to come home in a sense. Uh, it's really what it felt like. And um, it, it came together fairly quickly. And uh, just like you said, just so comfortable with everyone here. It is family. It is, um, you know, we feel like it's our second home in Oakland. And uh, we, we just, we're so excited to be back
4: you know when you think about where you are in your career and by the way you know you think of last year being a part of the Atlanta Braves and all these teams that you've been on you know talk about where you are right now what is Steven Vogt bringing to the Oakland A's
5: well you know honestly it's it's one of those things that I'm still I'm still a good player I still love yeah. playing baseball I still have a lot left in the tank as far as playing uh, but it's also, you know, I've been through a lot. I've been through injuries. I've been through winning. I've been through losing. I've been through trades. I've been through DFAs, I've been through, you name it. Uh, you name it, I've been through it. And now I've been part of uh, waiting two weeks after a lockout list to get a job. So, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things, Tommy, that I feel like I've experienced a lot in this game. And I'm thankful for all of it. It wasn't always easy. It wasn't always fun. Um, I've had to work really, really hard to come back numerous times I've had to work really hard to establish and reestablish and, and mm-hmm. all of those different things. And so for me, what the biggest thing that I can bring to the, to the Oakland A's right now is just to go into this clubhouse and be myself, help, help these guys learn quickly, help these guys learn from mistakes and, and just learn how to be professional every single day. And that's what I've tried to be my whole career. And, um, but, but also to to come bring, bring, bring my abilities and help win some games. Uh, on and off the field, and so I think for me, that's what that's what I'm most excited to be, and I'm really excited to play for Kotte. Um, You know, obviously he was one of our coaches when I was here uh, before, and I'm really excited to play for him and and uh, and just to see how that goes.
4: Yeah, we opened the show talking about you. Obviously, you being down there, you had no chance to hear it, but I I, I talked about how. There's going to be a lot of young players. There's going to be a lot of guys who come through that clubhouse this year who have no idea. And when I talked about you and what you can do for these players, I, you know, these guys are going to be making more money than they've ever made before. All of a sudden, everybody's going to want a piece of them. All of a sudden, they're way better looking, and women think they're great. And I'm like, hey, listen, Steven Vogt's been an all-star. Steven Vogt's been around some of the greatest players. You've been around Hall of Famers. You understand the life of a Major League Baseball player at the highest level. You understand it in the clubhouse. You understand it on the field. And you understand the business and what happens away from the field that a A lot of these guys, Steven, they show up, they know nothing about. They need, talk about how they need someone like you that they can, you know, it's one thing to talk to the coaches, but to talk to a guy who's also a player, what a godsend that can be for a guy's career.
5: Yeah. I mean, you hit it on the head. It's, it's one of those uh, situations where you're right. There's a, getting to the big leagues in a lot of ways, it's, it's obviously one of the most difficult things to do in sports, but getting to the big leagues is the easiest part. It's, figuring out how to stay here. That's the hardest part, proving yourself that you, you belong in the major leagues for the rest of your career is the hard part. And the things outside of your job are what can take away from that. So absolutely. I think that, um, I'll be able to, to share those things and to be on a peer level with them. Although, uh, I've, I've got a, I've got about 15 or 16 years on a lot of these guys now uh, yeah. in life, but, um, you know, it's one of those things that I, I truly enjoy helping, and I just want to help any way I can, you know. So circling back to what you say, what do you bring to this club? I, I just want to be available. I want to be available to, to play. I want to be available to talk. I want to be available to help learn. You, you name it. I just I want to be present for my teammates and just present for the organization.
4: Well, and also one thing that you always have had that gift is you can still hit.
5: Absolutely. I still hit. I can play some first. I can catch. You know, um, just what any way I can do it. And, uh, you know, I, I still, you know, I, the reason I came back is I love playing baseball. I, I love playing baseball. I have my whole life. I still do. Uh, today was my first day out of uh, practicing with the guys. And man, I felt like it was first day of school, Christmas morning, just the excitement. I woke up at 5 a.m. ready to go today. I, I no way I was going to sleep till my alarm today. And, uh, you know, had it had just so, so much fun being out on the field. It was it was amazing.
4: I know we've talked to you about this in the past, how much your wife has meant to your career as she's a coach and, and she has always encouraged you and made sure you're not retiring, get your butt back out there and play. Uh, I, for me, I see this kind of like how Kotze, you know, Kotze went from a player to a coach, now a manager. Do do you see that in your future?
5: We'll see. You know, we'll see. I, I, you know, I, uh, one of my teammates last year, Charlie Morton uh, with Atlanta. You know, he talked to me. You know, he's a little older than I am, and and he said, "Don't don't focus on what may be the end, or don't focus on what's next." He's like, enjoy every day you can while you're playing, and the decision will be clear when it's time. And um, I want to stay in the game, county. I want to be a coach. I want to be, you know, media. Some way I'm going to be involved in the game of baseball. I just don't know yet because I still love playing, and I still feel like I can. And until that day. Um, I know there's going to hopefully be an opportunity there because I love baseball and I love the game and I want to give back when I'm done playing. and um, you know But literally just kind of thinking one day at a time and one year at a time and just enjoy every moment that I have to still play the game I love. And uh, the fact that I get to do it in green and gold again makes me smile ear to ear and I haven't stopped smiling since Wednesday night. So um, it's going to be a great, great season, and I can't wait to get started.
4: Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, yeah, uh, write it till she bucks you, and then any <laughs> any any studio job, any color analyst job you want, you'll be able to get. So that that whole that whole aspect of your life will be there for you because you'll be fabulous as, as if that's what you want to do. If not, coach, I want to take you back to 2013. Was a magical moment for all of us. I remember taking all the phone calls after the game. I mean just when you look back at 2013 Tigers what was that game 2 the walk off hit mm-hmm. I just just when you look back now and I'm sure you've thought about it since you've signed with the A's again take us back to that wonderful moment of your career
5: uh, 2013 was such a such a special year for us because you know I I'd, I'd been DFA'd by Tampa Bay after going over for 25 in 2012 and really not thinking I would ever get back to the big leagues. I think I kind of thought I had my one shot and then obviously Billy went out and traded for me um, after the DFA and I got an opportunity to play for Sacramento in the eighth. And uh, for the first time in my career was, was told that I belonged in the big leagues by Bob Melvin. And um, when he told me that I just took it and ran. And, uh, but that moment that night um, against the Tigers game two, you know, the walk-off hit was obviously one of my favorite moments, but, um, earlier in that game, I say this every time, that the, the walk-off hit was my second favorite moment. There was in the fifth inning, Sonny struck out Austin Jackson, and then I threw out Jose Iglesias trying to steal second to end the first and third one-out threat. And, you know, my whole career up to that point, I'd been knocked for my defense, that I, I, I could hit in the big leagues, but I wouldn't be able to, to catch. And to, to do that in that moment and come through for your teammates, especially defensively, was, was such a huge moment. And But getting to that walk-off hit, I can put myself in that box. I can hear the 50,000 fans and then the millions more at home screaming and, uh, just the ability to be able to come through for your teammates to win a playoff game. And, um, but that moment I've watched so many angles of that hit on YouTube from different fans that have posted that. And my family and I have watched those all the time, all the time. We, we love watching those uh, from the fan perspective. And, um, that's, that is a moment, and that will always, always be one of my favorites in my career, if not my most favorite moment, uh, personally. And uh, just being in Oakland and winning that playoff game was uh, was magical.
4: I want to end on this because I think you got a magical moment coming up. Is when you take that first at bat back in Oakland. And the chant, I believe in Steven vote." I mean, not many people get a chant in their career. When you have an entire stadium screaming, I believe in Steven and vote," and you're back in the green and gold, and you're back after that long road trip, and you step into the box, what do you think that moment's going to be like for you? Oh,
5: man, I, I've got chills right now thinking about it. Um, the fans in Oakland mean everything to me and my family. Uh, they embraced us from day one. Um, supported us from day one, made us feel like we were part of the Oakland family. Um, took such great care of us and uh, still chat with a couple of fans, you know, on a personal level, you know, consistently. And um, But just the, the thought of the fans chanting again in Oakland and um, just walking back into the Coliseum wearing green and gold is going to be an amazing feeling, not alone to see the familiar faces back as an A. Uh, it's just an incredible feeling that I don't know if I'll be able to put into words, but it's going to be such a special moment, and um, you know, be be trying to hit through probably a couple of tears in my eyes, that's for sure. So uh, I'm I'm so thrilled to be back, and uh, I'm so excited to get rolling and uh, see what we can do this year.
4: Well, I, I got to tell you, you've always been good to us here on A's cast, and it is great to have you back. We'll be down there on April 1st. Can't wait to see you. But congratulations. Welcome back. And I know I know what it means to you and what it means to the fans. It's, it's going to be a very special season.
5: Yeah. Well, thank you very much, and uh, thanks for having me. look forward to catching up throughout the season, too. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.